Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series for another week of shenanigans with good friend Mike Procopio Pro. What is news? Bogues, I mean, you know, does the drama ever stop with this NBA stuff? I mean, it, it just never fucking stops. It's just... Have you seen that meme online that says um, days without any drama in the NBA? It's always zero. It's always zero. <laughs> it's a... It's, it's always, always zero. zero. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, it's never hold ending. the line. This has been a, you know, in what is so far been a pretty good season on court. Um, you know, a lot of surprises, a lot of young teams, like, you know, the anti-tank teams aren't, aren't doing too badly. Um, a lot of good stuff going on the court. But off-court is definitely trumping that. And I just listened to Brian Windhorst's podcast, uh, probably not the best barometer, but he had Bontemps and um, and McMahon on there. So we all, we all know which way they swing on, on all these issues. And they were, Brian actually made a fair point that he just wants to talk about the pos- positive of, of what's going on in the NBA, but they get stuck to talking about all this bullshit. And if you go to the ESPN, ESPN.com or whatever, the first five pages are – are the off-court bullshit in, you know, Kyrie or Bridges or whatever it is. And I thought he made a valid point there that he just wants to talk about different teams and how they've adjusted their defenses and, and how this has been a positive, how Minnesota's struggling and why and all that kind of stuff. And we always get railroaded into <laughs> into the days of our life shit, whether, whether sometimes by choice and this week definitely not by choice. I mean, Bogues, it reminds me of like NBA in the 90s where like, the Portland Trailblazers were getting arrested for every little thing, you know, d- um, you know, from domestic violence to fights to this, you know, Charles Barkley throwing somebody through a window or, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it, it just. Oh, they'd be screwed in today's day and era too, oh. by the way. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat that. Those guys in the eighties and the nineties with camera phones oh. and social media would be 10 times worse than what yeah, we're saying today. Without question, because those guys are a, they were a different breed of a cat for sure you know <laughs> yeah. like as far as what they did and not really caring they weren't sensitive you know remember the trailblazers they had like Zach Randolph had the dog fighting ring like where he had you know like he had the doggy <laughs> treadmill in his house <laughs> and stuff like you know you know like he was i think uh the warriors was the war was it chris what was his last name? Chris Mills went on the team bus. Was that was that uh, Chris? I thought that was a Robinson. Uh, the, yeah, it was Robinson. I think it was Golden State Portland back yeah. in the day. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure Chris Mills got into it with a few of those jailblazer type guys. And I'm pretty sure he got on the team bus. He he pulled the team bus over after the game. That was going to the airport with his car and his boys. And apparently he's a gangbanger of some sort as well. And yeah, got on with with a loaded weapon. Apparently, was the rumor back then, and 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 threatened guys like you ever do that shit again, I'm gonna find you. <laughs> so, in, in today's world, that would be you I know forget about it. Talked about for months, and the guy would be out of the league within a day. But uh, they definitely got away. Let, let's start on a positive note then. Let's let's get into our before we get into all the nonsense that we have to kind of talk about because it is news. Team of the weeks this week, pro. I'm gonna go with my. Team of the week, strong team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, pretty obvious one, but kind of missed them last week. I think they're this just been so good the last three or four years that we just kind of overlooked them a little bit. Um, but eight and zero, 
they beat OKC last night without Giannis and didn't miss a beat. They they just they're a fine tuned machine. Um, they're still missing Middleton. People forget you even forget he's on the roster. How well they're playing. Um, he's going to be welcome back and a huge addition, mainly for I think towards the end of the season and playoffs. He's very very valuable. But it goes to show you, Pro, what you can do with a star, a superstar that really doesn't have an ego. I mean, he has he has a confidence and a little bit of a cockiness about him, which he needs, which is why he is who he is in Giannis. But no ego as far as what position you want me to play, coach. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, I've got three fouls, you're gonna bench me for a bit, I'm not playing well, blah, blah, blah. And great co-stars, veterans that understand their role, guys that are okay with being a second, third, fourth star, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Um, Lopez accepted his role, you know, uh, Portis has been great for him. You know, the list goes on and on and on. They're just a fine tree machine. I've, I've really got a lot of respect for the way they go about it. They've snagged a championship within this run. They've got a chance to do another one, uh, get another one pro. They're playing really, really well. You know, Bogues, I mean, that's just everyone else sort of gets the praise for, you know, championship level organization, culture, all that stuff. We talk about it all the time. And they really have it going. And they're very, even though they've won a championship and they're extremely talented, uh, you don't really, I don't think they get enough love from, you know, mainstream people, media, whatever, as far as how they conduct business on a regular basis. I mean, you know, Giannis, obviously, he, he's the, the head of the, you know, the head of the pyramid or whatever you want to call it. But everybody just sort of steps up and they play their role, even like, Wes Matthews, who plays 15 minutes a game and averages three and two, he's a big part of things. Like Bobby Portis, like I really like that second unit they got going on, you know, that just comes in and gets their, gets the job done. They play together. They play unselfishly. Obviously they play through Giannis, but, you know, Drew Holiday and the other guys that sort of step up, Lopez, you know, giving you 15. Am I right here? Does Lopez lead the league in shot blocking? I think. I think he leads. I think he's up there. Yeah, he might still yeah, be. Yeah, he was at I like mean, three. I know he was definitely point, up there. But like they, yeah, he's a, fantastic. Yeah, and job. I think any young player or young coach that's listening to this, you know, and really getting the idea across to your players is like the first thing that you should really want to do is impact winning. And then stats and things are going to come because everybody eats better. Of course, the fat guy talking about eating, but like everybody eats better when you win. And putting your ego aside, what can I do to impact winning? You know, and then it's going to impact your checkbook. It's going to impact your bank account, your contracts, your status. But man, they just, they win. They do a good job. That staff does a hell of a job. Oh, yeah. No, it just looks like they enjoy playing sure. together too. Like it looks like everyone's content with their roles. I know this is my role tonight. Um, I know this is his role. That's the beauty of a great yeah. team. And um, just just quickly, blocks per game. Zubats has just overtaken my guy. Even to Zubats, I was his vet in LA. Yeah. Great guy. He's at two point eight. Uh, Lopez at two point six. Claxton two point four. Bobo two point three. And Bismack at two point three. So um, almost three a game for Zubats. But uh, yeah, back to my point. It's just you can tell they enjoy being playing together. And and you know, a, a key for me for a really good team for all, all the fans and people listening is. When a superstar misses a game or when a second or third tier star misses a game or a team has three guys out one night that are starters and valuable minutes, a key to a good team is seeing how they perform on those nights because they can easily just say, oh, shit, we're missing Giannis. Uh, okay, so he's not that good, but they can, you know, and it's a close game and they maybe lose it. 
bad teams will lose those games when a star's out because, it, you know, it's kind of like, oh, who's the next man up? What do we do? Oh, no. You know, oh, now it's my turn to shine. I'm going to show coach that Giannis is out, that I should be the next Giannis. You know, they, they, they tick that over. And that was what Golden State, you know, generally the last 10 odd years have been good at where Steve would strategically purposely rest guys during the season against tough matchups sometimes on purpose. And players would be pissed when I was there like, hey, man, I want to play that. I want to play that game against Memphis at Memphis. They're, 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 we're one and two right now. Nah, we're going to rest you tonight. We'll get them again later. Because it, it, it puts a demand on the other guys to step up. It's no excuse. No excuse mentality. And that's what Milwaukee have right now. They they continue that that steam train, keeps chugging along. Giannis plays, he doesn't. Brooke, Brooke plays, he doesn't. Portis comes to the five. You know, Portis is out. We'll, you know, we'll start a different guy at the four. And I've enjoyed it. And Joe Ingles is still going to be coming back. That's a huge, huge in for them. Look, he's not going to be the Joe Ingles of, of uh, Utah where he's, you know, playing 30 minutes and running a lot of the pick and roll action when they moved Donovan to the two. But he's going to be – that's a valuable guy to have sitting in that corner when you've got a guy like Giannis coming full steam ahead. No one's leaving Joey. He's going to be shooting probably 40s. That's his career average. So that spacing is going to get even better as the season winds on. I think he's he's got to be pretty close. I think he – he told me nine to ten months. He's hoping, which would be December. But I think I think a safe bet for him would be you know around February coming back. Yeah, I think I think there's no rush for him to come back. I mean, look, he'll slide into any role you want to give him. Uh, you know, if you tell him, hey, you're the twelfth guy, eighth guy, whatever it is, you know, he's going to slide into it. And he's such a vet in sort of his mindset. Going, I think that, um, yeah, I wouldn't rush that. I would go February. Let him let him get some games. Under him, All Star break, post All Star break, and then really have him. You know, you want want him rocking and rolling by you know end of March and early April, and then heading into the playoffs. So anything, you don't want any setbacks or anything. So there's really no rush. But I I, I agree with you. They I think that's the number one thing. Not every championship level team enjoys playing with each other. Let's be honest, they don't. But they see, and that's a huge part of being a winning team, having sort of the just the unity in sort of like you know what we're we're gonna we're gonna really have each other's backs and play with each you know play hard for each other and you know go forward. I, you know I do enjoy watching them play because of that as well. And uh, yeah, they're a hell of a team. There you go. You know what, folks? I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, they were my honorable mention. That was you second. know what? Like as as messed up as it sounds, I had I, I was sort of tinkering with the fact that maybe the Orlando Magic because they beat Golden State, they played Sacramento really hard. You know, they're playing hard. They're an enjoyable team. They got young talent. But yeah, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, they beat Boston twice. Uh, I think they yeah seven, seven straight. straight Boston twice. Now they they beat Detroit and and, and the Lakers today. Um, so not huge wins, but like well, eight straight, they, then including the Lakers game, I think. Yeah. yeah, they got them rolling. They got them rolling, and you know, look, I mean, obviously Donovan Mitchell's a big part of things there, and Evan Mobley, but like their bench is playing well, and they don't have Rubio yet, and um, JV Bickerstaff has done a great job. He's one of those guys that you know, look. He, he he's one of those guys that he was in Houston for a while. You know, dad coached in the NBA, was in Houston for a while, took over for a couple of coaches that got fired, you know, interim coach, went back to be an assistant, got the head job at Memphis, got fired after a year in Memphis for for I don't know what reason. And then, you know, 
you know, found his way back to the bench in Cleveland after, you know, they fired their coach early on and now he, he's got him going. And it's good to see a coach that really has, wasn't given a, a huge chance yet. Like one of it, you know, allowed himself to be coaching for a few years to ease him way, his way in. And I think it's doing a hell of a job. They're a good team. Um, you know, they're one of the only teams in the league. I, I know like either Mobley or Allen isn't officially seven feet, but like you get two, seven foot guys in the lineup basically with Mobley and Allen and, you know, doing it a little bit differently than most NBA teams do. And they're really fun to watch. And, you know, they move the ball. Mitchell's explosive and, you know, Garland's playing well, averaging seven, uh, 16, I think like 17 and eight, you know, 16 and a half and seven and a half. And, you know, Karis LeVert comes off the bench for, you know, for four, for like 14 and six and, you know, Dean Wade even playing well, Kevin Love in that role. And, you know, look, they've been trying to get rid of Kevin. I mean, everybody's been trying to get rid of Kevin Love for years, and he just keeps on trucking 12 and 7 in 20 minutes. And yeah, they're a real, they're a real fun team to watch. Like, I like those guys that are, like no one really thinks much of that's really hanging in there and playing with, you know, playing hard and playing the right way. It's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. And fair point about Rubio coming back with Kevin, with Kevin Love and Rubio, that'd be, they played together, don't forget, I think in Minnesota. Um, and just Rubio is that ultimate point guard that'll find him shots. Kevin Love's playing very, very well, very, very underrated. Um, his play this season, people start to talk about it a little bit, but he's in a smaller market. And yeah, Cleveland's a good pick. I had them honorable mention. I think they've, they look like they enjoy playing together. They look like they're a young, hungry team. Donovan Mitchell's finally taking that next step. And, and what's, Intriguing about him is his assist numbers are, are up. You know, we knocked him last season. A lot of people did. There was that stat where he, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the stat was, but he, I think his passes to Broody were like one a game or some shit. <laughs> it was like he had one, you know, so he's, he's, he's got more threats now. He can throw lobs to and he's got shooters out in the perimeter. He's doing a great job there. They're a really good team and they, they kind of coasted through that LA game early earlier today before we recorded and then just turned it on in the third and, and a bit of the fourth and the game was over. Um, I think the Lakers were up at half, weren't they? So that was, uh, yeah, that was interesting. So yeah, can't go wrong with Cleveland. All right, team of the week, uh, bad team of the week, I think the Golden State Warriors. Um, and for all the Golden State fans that follow me, uh, I think I'm being a bit hard. They received the team of the week, maybe even two last season pro. I think I gave them maybe two because um, they had some bad runs and they won a championship. So the Robos team of the week, the, the WEAK, doesn't doesn't really paint the picture for the whole season. You can still go on and win a chip because I think they, they heard that they heard that pro that they got team of the week on the Robos podcast and they, they <laughs> stepped up their form and won a championship. But there, I'll get into some numbers later uh, in, in in the useful or useless stats, but they're, they're, they... They're two different teams right now, Pro. I don't know if you've seen this, but I know we don't love plus minus because there's there's pros and cons to it, but this is glaring. All of their starters are net positive. Their whole bench is net negative. Full stop. Wow. Um, that wow. That is <laughs> – you don't see that very often. Uh, usually there's at least mm-hmm. one or two bench players that fit in well with the starters or – but. That is that is alarming. They have huge alarm bells ringing with their bench. Their bench just does not fit well together. Steve Kerr's scratching his head trying to find different lineups. He's tried Kamingas, uh, Kaminga and Wiseman, then maybe just Wiseman, then maybe just Kaminga, then Jordan Poole, then do I need a facilitator with Jordan? Like there, he's scratching his head, and that's a huge, huge concern. Um, defensively, they've been horrid. I'll get into that number and say that surprise for the useful, useless stat because this is another one. But yeah, the, the plus minus. In this case, because we've had a pretty good sample size now, eight, nine games, um, tells you that 
the starters are doing their job. Their bench is is just absolutely horrific on on the other end of the floor, and they've lost five straight. Uh, they're three and seven. It's not the end of the world. I think um, they they do need to pick it up though. And they you know the danger in any conference. I mean, people say the West isn't as deep. Is you just don't want to be stuck in one of those playing games. I mean, Golden State's the one team that could could plough through that and be fine, but. You don't want to be stuck in those playing games late in the season if you've got an injury or two and then you're facing a motivated New Orleans Pelicans or even Timberwolves at that point. So uh, I don't know if you've watched many of their games, pro, but they look they look very out of sync, um, albeit they did rest some guys. Uh, was it the Orlando game? I think they rested a, a boatload of guys, maybe the game before that. So they have rested a few guys here and there, but still for the most part, there's, some, there's a little bit of an alarm bell at three and seven. There has to be, Bogues. I mean, you know, well, look, Championship teams have, have finished, you know, level teams have, have finished a little bit, you know, st- I mean, it's not finished, but started the season a little bit off the, off, you know, off the rails. Hangover, yeah. Wise, and then they just pick it up. But um, they got to pick, they got to figure things out. I, 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 I attribute it to not enough uh, player only meetings. I think they really, <laughs> again, the NBA season technically doesn't start until you do one. Maybe they have done one. Maybe oh, I stole pros quote, them. everyone. I apologize. I put pros nah. quote out on Twitter and he, he railed me for it. So that was, I should have TM'd it. Ah. Yeah, what are you going to do, <laughs> folks, you know? Hey, you know, hey I, just, I just attribute it to being, you know, to having funny shit that I say on the show. So I appreciate that. But um, yeah, there's something wrong. And there's definitely, I, I can't, I can't put my finger on it. And, you know, people probably attribute it to the fight, you know, the, the punt, the sucker punch and all that. And, you know, and things, but forget about that. They got to put that shit aside, and then it's not easy to put aside. But they got to figure some stuff out for sure. I mean, you know, they're a talented team. Clay Thompson's not playing well, well, consistently. I would say, you know, and 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 I know the injuries, and that's the that's the number one concern. Well, he's you know he's hurt and all that, but you know what, guys like young guys like there's no more excuses for James Wiseman anymore. Like, look, if you really want to be a great player in this league. You're gonna have to step up, and in your time defensively, you got to pick up your role. Look, like these starters are doing their job for the most part. You know, Steph at 31 and you know seven and seven. Clay, even though he's not Clay yet, you know the Clay of old, he's doing 15. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't mean to beat Charles Barkley and all, but <laughs> 15, three and three. You know, Wiggins 17 and six. Draymond's you know putting up his usual eight and six, nine and six. Looney, you know, seven and six. Like. Like the bench, you know, has to figure it out because without the bench, they got no chance. You know, you can't win a championship based on starters alone. And the, the benches have to be there and step up and, and do their job. And all this talk about Kaminga and Wiseman being this great player, this great player. Well, I want to see it. You know, I want to see it. Now, I'm not expecting them to put up KD numbers or anything like that. I don't expect Wiseman to be the next Kevin Garnett. But, I mean, in your minutes, you have to perform. Like Clay does, Clay does his you know his role in twenty seven minutes. Steph does his role in thirty five. Right, they got to do their role in fourteen minutes a game, and they have to impact winning. And they have not impacted winning, obviously, by even the small sample size of the plus minus, which I'm not a fan of. I agree, like you said, but they got to step up. I sort of like Jermichael Green watching him. Like in the short time that I've watched him, I thought he's played decent. But, like, he's not the reason why they're winning or losing. Like, 
you know, it, you know, Jordan Poole, Kaminga, and Wiseman has the most impact on the, you know, and maybe even Moses Moody has the most impact on that team in the second unit. You know, they've got to do more, and it's got to, you know, or it's going to be ugly because, look, like you know, you keep on. I don't expect this to keep up, but they got to do more and they got to figure it out. I think they need. I think they need a players only meeting. Ty, Ty Jerome's been decent for him actually as well. Um, he's been okay off the oh, bench. Yeah. He's, he's got some minutes for him um, and being pretty productive. But they're, yeah, they're they're just it's a tale of two teams right now. The starters obviously have a bit of championship hangover, but yeah, they're you don't want to be in a position where you're playing Steph and Clay and Draymond forty minutes a night the first month of the season to get wins. And that's something they didn't really have to do in the past. Um, and this season, it looks like they're going to have to. And that, you got the risk then of burnout, injury, all that kind of stuff. So they are, they're in some struggles. Uh, Clay was just quoted today as in his press conference. Um, did you see that press conference, by the way? It was hilarious. So there's a, there's a room in- No, the, I, I- There's a room in the- No, what happened? There's a room in the arena uh, at the new arena in Golden State. I don't know if it's a- Usual media room, but they had it. They had the media there, and and it's one whole side's glass, and it's the ocean, so it's on the bay. So when Clay sat down, the ocean was to his right. So he faced yeah. he faced the windows and did his whole press conference and just said, "Look, I just want to, I just love looking at the ocean." So and like, look, no one they're asking him questions, and he's just staring into the abyss. <laughs> he's like, it's just such a Clay thing, like swiveled his chair towards the windows and just like, "Sorry guys, I'm just gonna look at the ocean." But anyway, he he said in that press conference. That he feels a win streak coming on, so um, he feels it, and uh, I think he'll be he'll definitely be one of the motivated guys because the way they're playing. But yeah, easier said than done. I think they got to get their bench right. So that is uh, my team of the week, bro. Who you got, Bogues? I've got the best AU professional team in the in the world right now in the Houston Rockets. I mean, <laughs> can there be a bigger shit show than them? I mean, look, I know they're young, they're really young, and that's 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 most of their issues. But lost, like, lost six straight, one and nine as of current. One and nine fights on the bench, <laughs> arguments, not fights. You know, Eric Gordon's looking that like what? What am? What am? I, what did I sign up for? You know, like you know, do I really want to be going through this on a daily basis? Look at the beginning of the year. I thought that they had some of the best young talent that the league has on a roster individually, and I don't use that bullshit term on paper and all that stuff. I know that. Like individually, they've got some great talent. Jabari Smith, you know, Jalen Green, uh, Mr. Taco Soup, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Sengun, Sengun, you know, I mean, they've got a lot of talent on their team. Uh, Our boy Tate, uh, Josh Christopher, but like at some point, they're going to have to start showing. They're going to have to start showing something. And they're just a train wreck. I mean, it, it's early. They've got time. You know, they do have time. No, they're not. They're, they're not. They're not. They're not going anywhere. They're. They're. They might no. be in the Victor Victor sweepstakes. Um, yeah. But yeah, they they are bad. Um, I thought I thought preseason they'd steal some games just because of their talent. Like they're one of those teams that I thought they could beat like the best team by twenty and then lose to the worst team by thirty. But they're just losing to everyone, um, and, and they're not even in games for the most part. Like from the first quarter, they're down. They're always just down ten to fifteen every first quarter break. <laughs> it's just like they make they cut it to seven, and then it blows out to eighteen. It's just like they're, they're and yeah, they're, they're hot. They're, they don't look good. They don't look in sync. Doesn't look like guys understand their roles, and that happens. Look, that happens with a young team. 
but you know you got to put a little bit of blame on the coach and, and the organization as well because that, that starts at the top you got to start kind of routing some roles to your younger guys otherwise they're just going to get lost in the abyss of the NBA and they're all going to move on to greener pastures when they you know they're out of contract you know and that goes to show you Bogues either front offices don't do a good enough job addressing it or they're just it's just sort of lost you know it's sort of like the American-born white basketball player it maybe it's just lost in the abyss it's um they don't there's not maybe there's just not enough leadership in veterans that you could bring in to help a team like this look obviously um obviously like their young core is their talent but you need veterans on that team i mean look at their besides eric gordon like their their top of their rotation is Kevin Porter, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Sengun, you know, then you've got like Josh Christopher, Tate. Eric Gordon. Eric, yeah, Eric Gordon, you know, he's the vet. But like you need three or four, like a Mike Muscala or somebody like that, an Al Horford type guy. Like, you know, but I'm telling you, it's you go through these rosters and it's tough to find out of 510 players, it's really hard to find more than maybe 40, if that, vets that are leadership type guys that players will respect and respond to. And most of it is because of youth. They don't respect A, people that are older than them, B, that players that have done it before them that that aren't stars anymore. They respect the stars. The problem mm. is most of the stars are young guys. So if you bring in a guy that's not playing as many minutes, that is your Adonis Haslam type that, you know, and what Adonis does, Adonis does in Miami is ridiculous because he doesn't play at all. He, re, you know, people respect him mostly out of fear because he'll beat the fuck out of you. But like, you know, th- there's not a lot of those type guys and they need that. They need that. Obviously, the bulk of the minutes are going to go to the young guys, but they need the vets to teach them how to be professional, how to handle this, you know, people that they could just sort of lean on a little bit. But I, you know, I really think that there's, there's really not a lot of those players in the NBA anymore. There are there there are there, but it's very it's very scarce to find. And they you know Houston needs that badly because the, you know obviously they're in the Victor sweepstakes. But again, like you, you, there's another young player you're gonna have to throw out there, and you know you mm. need some yeah. veterans that can play a little bit that they could you know that they could respect and fear a little bit, you know, or this is gonna be. This is going to be a broken ship. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a fantasy team is what it's going to be. It's an AU team. It's an AU team right now. Mm. And well, I think they get Victor. They got to, they got to trade some of those young guys if, if that happens. Crystal balling. Yeah. Get some of the shitheads out of that locker room and get some more vets in for sure to put around Victor. So, yeah, they're not, they're not looking good and it does not look like, you know, people say the future's bright because they got young stars, but it doesn't always equate that way. They look like they don't like playing together and it looks like it's a – prototypical young bad team that every night they're competing with each other with who's going to top score or, or get a big stat line. Like, this is my team. This yeah. is my team. There's three or four guys like that on that team that are in that arm wrestle, which never ends well and, and gets a coach fired and a GM fired before they start to figure it out. So we'll see if they uh, if they at least can turn the corner and just, you know, you don't, we're not expecting them to win 30, 40 games. Um, but, you know, you look at OKC probably as a comparison, similar type rosters as far as young development guys and they're, they're doing tremendously. They still compete on a nightly basis, and that comes down to what Pro said earlier of 
um, the organizational structure from the top down there is is firm. It's airtight. There's no bullshit. You know, there's the door kind of thing. Whereas Houston's kind of had a, a lot of changes the last three or four years, and we don't really know what their identity or their culture is, and that that can be important in the NBA. So we'll watch that space. All right, let's get into this Kyrie shit. Oh, so suspended five games, pro. Um, to me, honestly, I think he was suspended for not saying sorry on the follow-up. I think that's what did him over. I think that that follow-up press conference where he, you know, everyone thought he was going to come and say, I apologize if, if what I tweeted, uh, the link that I tweeted was, you know, hurtful to anyone and and he just refused to do that. Um, Some will say that's his prerogative and I'm, I'm kind of in a hard place here just from the base of, I'm, I'm big on free speech. I think free speech is very, very important and there's no... You can't really edit free speech, in my opinion, because it's a slippery slope if you do. It becomes Orwellian. But the good thing about free speech is when someone makes a silly comment is everyone else has their their right to say you're an idiot. What I don't agree with with this is everything that's happened in the aftermath. He does, you know, you might argue he deserves severe punishment, light. I know your position's a little bit different sure. to mine. But since then, he's, he's got five-game suspension. Nike's now suspended their relationship with him. They said suspended. I think that relationship is done, but suspended does mean theoretically that it could could be turned back on, but I, I highly doubt that. And since then, a, a list of demands, and this is what I don't agree with. I don't agree with these kind of demands um, for him to be reinstated. The Nets have delivered Kyrie Irving six items he must complete to return to the team. Apologize and condemn the movie. So not only apologize, but condemn the movie. I think that's going to be too far because he didn't make the movie. Um, I think apologizing for, you know, there's rumors now that he didn't watch the whole movie that came from CJ McCullum, that he just tweeted, you know, he liked a bit of it and tweeted it. Who knows? I'm not defending him by any means. But so apologize, condemn the movie, 500K donation to anti-hate causes, sensitivity training, anti-Semitic training, meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders and meet with Joe Sy to demonstrate understanding. I think this is a bit much. Uh, I think that he's obviously made a mistake. I think everyone, you know, Kyrie's probably made more mistakes than anyone. I think the the Vax issues definitely hurt him in this case. Um, and I think, I don't know, I'm just not, I'm not about, I've, I've disagreed, I've agreed with some things uh, Kyrie has done and said, and I've disagreed with a lot of things he's done and said. I still don't want him cancelled off the face of the earth, bro. Um, and that would be for my greatest enemy said something. I would I would combat what they said and call, you know, go back at them and have some back and forth and some choice words or her, but I wouldn't want them to lose their form of employment, if that makes sense. That's what I'm stuck with this, with what's going on. Uh, the There are some hypocrisies within all of this. Number one is the NBA uh, and the Brooklyn Nets um, have obviously been very vocal lately the last couple of days and the suspensions, there's not a lot of support for Kyrie, which you say is fair enough. Amazon has not been mentioned, Pro. Now, Amazon hosts this controversial uh, documentary movie, whatever it was, which, which I haven't seen. You and I both probably mm-hmm. haven't seen. But do you know why Amazon's probably not mentioned, Pro? Is it Bezos going Bezos to buy a team or something like that? And don't they stream games? No, because... Um, Yes, Amazon's in negotiations with the NBA for live streaming. You know, that they're going to be part of that deal that could be potentially a billion dollars a year, TV rights, when you add up all the different um, t- platforms they can stream on, and Amazon's a prime negotiator. So there's some hypocrisy there because they're hosting this bloody thing. Like, if this thing, 
if this movie documentary is that that bad and anti-Semitic and has horrible views, why is it even being sold? Right? Like, why is it? Why is Amazon getting away with that? Number two is Nike. Okay, you suspend your relationship with Kyrie. I, I get it, but you still you still are engaging in slave labor um, to an extent, using children in in low income Asian countries to make your product to to boost profit margins. Hypocrisy there. And then number three is Joe Sai. Like, meet with Joe Sai to demonstrate understanding. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, this is this is someone who engaged in slave labor. So. I don't want to get too far into the whataboutism because people say, well, that's that's not the issue at hand. Like I said, Kyrie's got to deal with his medicine of, of, of what he said. I think what did him in was not apologizing. But I think I think cancelling off the face of the earth is not going to change his views. Um, it's not going to change what he thinks. And I, I just think that's the wrong way to go in my opinion. I think there, there, there should be some you know stuff done behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff. But... It's just yeah, it's a tough one to me because I think um, as we get into our next topic, I think there's, uh, there's 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 things that are done in the NBA, in my opinion, that are way worse than Kyrie Irving's um, post posted link of a of a movie that was had some anti-Semitic things in it, um, and that's just my opinion on it. But um, like I said, I'm not condoning what was in the movie. I'm not condoning Kyrie's comments of the past. I am just supporting. Yes, people are going to say dumb things as part of an open free society and it's everyone else's job to then say, hey, this is why you're wrong, you're an idiot, you're this, you're that, look at this, look at this evidence, look at this, look at that, and you have that debate in the town square. I don't like the yeah, whole I mean, there's a few cancel things, the face of the earth thing, bro. Folks, and I do agree with you. Like, I think in life you're allowed to make mistakes, learn from them, um, you know, get get punched in the stomach about it, you know, get get scolded. There definitely should have been something, and then allow yourself to get built back up. Unless, you know, there's only a couple of things that would sort of stop, in my opinion, should stop you from doing that. And I think what he did was bad. It, um, is it as bad as murdering somebody? No, but it's still bad, and he should be condemned for it a little bit, for sure. Um, a few things here. A, not. I mean, before. The aftermath, not one player said a word about this. Not one player, you know, again, I go back to it like you want it to be a business. You keep saying it as, you know, it's literally like that's all you say, play, NBA players, it's a business, it's a business, but they don't treat it as one. NBA players would not survive without ownership. Ownership would not survive without players. It's a partnership. It's almost as, you know, they, the NBA provide and the teams provide organization for the players. It provides a platform for players. It provides arenas for players, all that. The players provide the talent. The players provide the, the content. So it's a, it's a give and take. So you're talking about people like Donald Sterling and Sarver being excommunicated off the planet. I'm not saying that. Steph Curry, I mean, um, that Kyrie Irving should be, you know, excommunicated. But I'm saying that, look, look, this isn't right. Just like those guys, what they did weren't right with the ownership and the, and the racism stuff. They didn't speak out one word about it. All right. And, and I think that's, that's got to be looked at as like, what are you doing? Like you have to protect, protect your product. This wasn't good for business and you should speak out about it because you're quick, you know, you're quick to trigger on other things, but not this thing. Now, with Kyrie itself, look, he's been somebody who's been against the grain since he's been in the league. 
Like, he wants to tell you how smart he is. And he is a smart guy. But, like, everything sort of just... I'm not saying it's for attention, but he loves going against the grain. You know, he goes against the media. Um, you know, that the Vax thing is what it is. I'm not saying that that's a point to it. I'm saying, like, taking that... Remember he took that week off that nobody really knows, knew where he was in, um, when he was in Brooklyn? You know, and then, like, he was seen partying with his sis... Yeah, then partying with his sister. Yeah, part of the BLM stuff, right? Partying with his sister without Mm -hmm. a mask on or whatever that was. I don't care about the mask thing. I'm just saying, like, can't find him, not showing up to work, but but partying with his sister. You know, I think it was a birthday party or whatever. And then, like, burning the sage thing. He ended it badly with Boston, you know, like, stomping on the, like, the leprechaun on half court. I don't really care about that, but it just adds up. Like... There are certain things in this world, Bogues, that you could agree with it. You you don't you could agree with it. You could disagree with it, but you're not fighting city hall on some things. There's not a like some hills aren't worth dying on, and this fight that he was given about like either promoting, not promoting this movie, and not saying sorry, he wasn't going to win this battle. There's only a handful of players in the history of the league that is just as important as the logo itself. Guys like Jordan, LeBron, Magic, you know, Kobe. There was a few guys that could withstand something like this if that happened to them. And I don't think they could even withstand it with with, with the media and, and the bad press on it. Kyrie is not one of those players. Kyrie is going to go down in history as a very good basketball player, an all-star level player. But you can't fight the media on this and the bad press on it. There was nothing he was going to do. All he had to do was just say, hey, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. It hurt a lot of people. I deeply apologize. I was wrong. And then end it from there. And I almost can guarantee that 90% of what like transpired out of this wouldn't have happened. But he fought it. And not only did he fight it, he wanted to combat that with not saying sorry and then say, and then and then turn it into this you know, like racism thing about where were you when, you know, uh, several million of my people were you know, buried in this country and all of that. No, that's not, this is not what this was about. This was about you fucked up. Regardless if it's right, wrong, or different, like, there, like it was wrong. Now, how, how wrong was it? I, I can't judge it, but it was wrong. And he wasn't, all he had to do was say he's sorry. He fucked up. He, you know, he offended people. And you know how we are in our society today, especially when it comes to anti-Semitism. Like, it's a huge deal. So don't combat, like, anti-Semitic speech. Do I think he's anti-Semitic? No. But I, I think he was one of those guys who's got to be the smartest guy in the room. He's never going to say he's wrong. And then it's always going to be on his terms. That's how, he, that's how he's been for a long time. And... Now he combats that with the racism thing, which has nothing to do with this. Like, it was his mistake. It's got nothing to do with that. He likes to be combative with the media. And, the, like, look, the, like he has not, he has no equity with the media the way he treats them. And, uh, like, if he was a great dude and he was, like, no problems in any of his stops, you know, in Boston and in Brooklyn, and then, like, he did this, People would be like, Kyrie, you messed up. But you know what? Kyrie's built up so much equity of doing great things and a solid pro and doing this that, like, he made a mistake. 
But because he made all these enemies because of, you know, look, he's combative for sure. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to back him up. And it's one of those things, Bo's like, look, we could agree to disagree on, 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 you know, how severe what he did. Like I said, I don't think he's a war criminal for doing what he did, but he's got to read the, he's got to read the temperature in the room. You know how today's society is. All he had to say is, I'm sorry, step away. I apologize. But then he like does that half apology where he doesn't apologize, but then he says, um, I forgot what, how he worded it. It was like, you know, I'm holding myself accountable. Um, but he didn't say, I'm sorry. It's all they were looking for. And he, I think he just turned this into a big deal when, like you said, to open this segment up, all he had to say is he's sorry. Yeah, that's what it came down to, in my opinion. I think it just came strictly down to that. Um, you know, you look at, yeah. I guess, LeBron as the example. He posted a rap lyric around... Um, I got that Jewish money or, or verse in a song that had something to do with that. I got that Jewish money. And I guess he put out apology immediately. And that's probably what people look to is, you know, if it was good for LeBron, it's good for you. But um, like I said to everyone, I mean, I, I yeah, don't agree sure. with the deleting of Kyrie Irving from the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely agree with people can go at him and debate him and say, you're wrong, this is why, or, you know, blah, 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 this is wrong. But, you know, it also goes to say that there's movies out there that have anti-Semitism, that have racism, yeah. that have, I mean, Django, you know, the prime example, like, is, is that movie allowed to be, you know, if someone says that's my favorite movie, is that, you know, is that then deemed as like, well, you like a racist movie? You know what I mean? Like, so there is a bit of a slippery slope when this stuff's out in the mainstream as well. Like, the, plenty of Hollywood movies are, you know, anti-certain groups um, in the movie, right? Like, there's there's racist words used, there's violence, there's gang violence, there's, you know, there's there's rapes, there's all kinds of stuff in movies and, and even, even some of the documentaries you see. So I think it is a fine line we need to be careful as well um, around that. And like I said, I'm by no means defending because um, – Number one, I haven't seen the documentary, but I'm taking it at face value of what people said. It's got anti-Semitic references in it and and and, and theories, um, and that you know people should go back at Kyrie for that and and tell him that he's wrong or that that movie's not right because of this. But I just draw the line on mass cancelling, and, and that leads on to the next uh, topic: is Miles Bridges has pleaded no contest to domestic violence, so. He, he will just take whatever the deal is. So he's obviously struck some sort of a deal to say he's not even going to contest the degrees or, or whatever or how severe it was. He's saying, yep, I did it. And they've probably agreed to a deal. The question that, you know, I asked to you in, in a group chat that we're at, what's worse, Kyrie's comments or someone, you know, um, being involved in domestic violence? And most people will say domestic violence, right? I would. I think I think actions are louder than words. In this day of words of violence, you know, okay, I don't know about that too much. I think actions are um, actions of violence are, are much more violent than words, and I think Miles will get a, a much more lenient suspension, in my opinion. Um, and historically, it's it's been that way. Like you know, players have done some crazy shit. You know, like you talked about the the, the pull and trailblazers. Um, you know, quote unquote jailblazers. You talk about guys that have brought, you know. Drugs on trips, guys that have all that's been much more lenient. Their actions, right? Um, so I think the NBA is in a tough spot, and they've you know on that podcast that I referenced earlier with Windhorst and and the gang, 
they were mentioning just in general about how much appeasement has been towards the players the last probably five years under Adam Silver, and they they were really critical of Adam Silver on that podcast. By the way, they were they were like, "Where is he at? Like, what's going on? Have you not have you not addressed this? You've left it to the Nets on an island to address themselves." And that's the danger of I think, Pro, you've touched on it many a times. Is you know, it's a player it's a player run league right now, and. As a former player, I think the balance has swung too much. Look, under David Stern, it was the other way. It was like it was heavily pro owners. You were around. You were around that time, pro. David Stern didn't fuck around. It was Iron Fish shit. It was like, hey, like you know, you didn't have a collared shirt on on the way to the locker room with our business casual dress code policy, and you're like, oh, but no buts, ten thousand dollars, don't do it again. <laughs> you're just like, all right, cool. Whereas now it's like. You know, really, you know, we, we really don't want to suspend you. So just just do X, Y, and Z and make it show like you really care and we'll take care of you. I think that's too far the other way. I think there needs to be a clear cut set of rules. And these kind of things, you know, will, will a Kyrie Irving stop doing certain things? It seems like no, you know, he's as pro read off his resume of indiscretions he's had. Um, I don't think he's going to change. I just don't, I, I don't think he is who he is and he's going to wear that with the kind of a badge of honor, um, quote unquote. But uh, I think the league, Really needs to reassess where it's at as far as having a better balance, mainly with the you know we had we had a guy punch a guy in the face what three weeks ago, um, <laughs> and that was not seen that's seen nowhere near as bad as a Kyrie Irving. Well, the league posted is in a tweet, weird right? place right now. Um, it, it just it's the wild wild west how some of these things are being done, and there's really not much going on with as far as punishment. Um, look. Actions and words, you're absolutely right. You know, actions are de- you know, much worse than words. Now, words that continuously are said and no one does anything about it and the people keep, keep on, you know, just doing things. Oh, inciting a- violence, inciting violence, definitely. Like if you're posting shit that says, go and kill this For type sure. of people or these group, that, that's, <laughs> you sure. know, very, like, but still the person actually doing it Yes, is is what is is, just, is what is what is a notch higher in my opinion. Now you could you could cite you know historical references and 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 no. I get all that. Yeah, and pe- but people will say Kyrie's got a mass following, so he can he can inflict the much much more harm onto the community because a lot of people listen to him, right? But I still think the person engaging the actions is worse. But that's that's just my opinion. No, tr- no doubt. And then with bridges, like I would I would do twenty five games like it's nothing, and I don't I'd fight the I'd fight the yeah, I'd take it to the Supreme Court if I had to. Like, you cannot have a product, in my opinion, on the court, you know, with 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 as many families that go to games as there are and people who follow the league, and you have somebody who beats the fuck out of his wife, I'm sorry, allegedly, even though there are pictures of it, like, allow him <laughs> to, like, just because he pleaded guilty and he gets to do some read to achieve for a couple of months – and and you know and do whatever. Allow him yeah. to get back in your league, you know, with a slap on the wrist. You have to set a tone and say this is not going to fly here. And if anybody else, from LeBron James to Jerome James and anything in between, if anybody does it, that they, they're getting the same penalty. This is bullshit. This is not going to be. Look, at the end of the day, again, both parties need each other. Both parties need each other. And if you want this product to be the best in the world, which some people believe it is, you got to, 
Like, yeah, you got to be a little more lenient than Stern was with players, but not much more lenient. You got to uh, allow them to get as much money as possible. You you need to make sure the teams are giving them every you know great tool to be successful that they can with large staffs and taking care of their bodies and all that stuff best planes hotels and they do that but there's a code here that has to be followed by the players and i don't care who you are you got to follow it because that's what being a professional is and most players to be honest are pretty professional you know you may not love them from top to bottom but most players are but let's be honest, especially people closer to the top of the food chain, they feel as though they could do whatever they want and nothing's really going to happen to them. And that's not right. And But it, it's this player empowerment thing spreads deep. Like back in the day of Jordan or Bird or, you know, or you know, Shaq or someone like that got preferential treatment, you'd be like, okay, like those guys, I could see sort of looking the other way on some things that they do, but it seems like they look, they look the other way on almost every player. Not, not, you know, Miles Leonard, of course, but like most players, like they're allowed to do almost anything and nothing's really going to happen to them. And they got to set the standard now and say, you know what? No more. Because like, they're talking about owners being held to a high regard on what they do. The players, it, it's it's both ways. It, all three entities, ownership, players, and in, in staff of teams, they need to be they need they need to hold themselves accountable to and, and set a standard of I'm going to be professional. We're going to act accordingly. But stuff like getting in trouble for domestic violence, drug charges, I don't care if it's marijuana or whatever it is, it sets a bad precedent. You don't want to be reading every day online about some some new drama. We were talking about it before the show started, just drama after drama after drama. Like, like let's read that Kevin Durant went two for 28 last night and got teed up and got thrown out of the game. I'm okay with that. But I'm tired of seeing this guy punches this guy out, this guy domestic violence, this DUI, this fight, this thing. Like, what's, you know, it's a professional league for a reason. And I don't know. Yeah, unfortunately, that that, that stuff, the news love that stuff, and we're talking about it. So, mission accomplished, but that stuff's usually front page. And the game we all love uh, should be front, first and foremost, front page. So, Last one on, on at least an off-court drama, Jalen Rose. Uh, <laughs> did you see this shit? Um, yeah. I, I still don't understand why this is controversial, but I guess the reasoning we'll find out. He he basically asked again on on uh, whatever show he's on on ESPN that why hasn't the female in question been named in the Ime Udoka scandal? That has blown up social media and people have said that's outrageous. You should not ask that. Uh, he then, during a commercial break, they had an apology that said, after I discovered the lady in question was a subordinate to the head coach, I now fully understand why her name should not be released to the public. Um, I'm still wondering why, bro. Like, I, I get I get this whole, with the Me Too movement, people in positions of power, but, like, really? Um, I, I don't know. I think in every every job you're in, there's always someone above and below you so you technically hold a position of power on most people. Shit, in an NBA starting, you know, an NBA squad of 15, there's positions of power, right? So does that then mean someone else gets all, you know, can, can do, two people can do something bad on a team and one, oh no, he's player 15, we can't name him? Like, no, it's, 
I think there's positions of power all throughout life, and I, I think it's fair. It's fair that if Adoka was it takes two to tango, man. Like you know, allegedly the other person involved also was married with a husband, and you know, I mean, Ime obviously was engaging in things that he shouldn't have and should have known better as a coach. But uh, you know, unless we've gone to the route of where it was forceful, um, that's a whole different topic of conversation, right? Um, but yeah, I, I scratch my head probably. This is a very American thing and probably Australian where it's like if it's a, someone that's higher up in, in your workplace, then they should be protected at all costs. I, I think it's two to tango. Both should know better. Do I lean a little bit more towards the head coach knowing better? Probably. Like I'd probably say, look, you may should have definitely known better. But as far as, you know, naming them, I think they're both they're both at fault, bro. I, I just don't – I don't understand – what Jay, what, why what Jalen said was so controversial they needed to apologize. Folks, to me, I think that, look, people at ESPN, you can like them, you can not like them, whatever you want to do. But they're paid because they're so-called experts of what they do or whatever Jalen's working for. I forgot, you know, whatever, like whatever network he's, he was doing the game for. But they're experts and, and we pay, they get paid for their opinion. As long as it's not outlandish, and where it's really offensive to people or just off the off the like rails if they have an opinion on something Jalen Rose is a respected per, you know ex player that you know certain you know certain population likes as far as like you know people like him people don't like him whatever like a, a, a certain amount of basketball people like him and he had an opinion on something I don't understand, regardless if it's right or wrong, if that person should be allowed, you know, their name should be floated out or not. That's his opinion. It's the same thing with the radio talk shows. They've got opinions. That's what people want to hear. Regardless if it's like fantasy world or not, doable or not, a little bit offensive or not, or legal or not, like it's not, it was such a benign thing that he said. And when I heard, when I saw the apology, it's like, come on, like, and that's our society. We have to apologize for everything, and it's fucking, it's absurd, you know, it's absurd. If he called a young lady a bitch or something like that, okay, yeah, definitely, I apologize. That's the dumbest. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. He didn't do that. All he said was, you know, should be named or whatever he said, and like. That's not the worst thing in the world to say. You shouldn't have to apologize for that stuff. That's Yeah, that's and do you think this changes his opinion, the fact that they've made him apologize? Do you think no. his opinion really has changed? No, I don't. That's the thing. you got people – got to have people with different opinions on controversial subjects. That's a part of being an adult and being a human being. Like if everyone just agreed in lockstep, we'd be robots, right? Yeah. And yeah, you, obviously you get the extremes like Kyrie and the, the, the post and whatnot, but I, I think – you know, you, you want to agree to disagree on things and, and that's where we've lost ourselves. You know, this is a basketball podcast, but we've lost ourselves as a society. It's like, oh, you disagreed with me. Oh, you're this <laughs> yeah. or you're that. It's like, no, like we have different opinions, but we can still be friends. Like you, we might agree on other things. Like, but on this, I don't think it's that bad. And it's like, wow, like he, just the fact that they, they, they rushed to an apology and 
just insane to me. And I saw that. I think I was watching that game live when it came on. Oh no, someone sent me the link. Actually, I wasn't watching that game. I lie. I, I was watching a different game, and someone sent me the link, and I watched it. And I was like, "What the hell is going on here? Like, are you serious? Like, it's that that's that that bad?" But um, I guess with the Me Too stuff and the Weinstein and everything that's happened in the, in the past, I get it to an extent. But I didn't think it was controversial, and I still stand by saying that it takes two to tango. You cheated on your husband. He cheated on his fiance. You two knew what you were doing. If it was, like I said, if it was a situation where it was like, hey, you better do this or you're losing your job, different story. Totally get it. Understand. But mm. from all reports, it was not it was not that and never that. Um, I think beyond that, weeks after when it when it supposedly was supposed to get bro- broken off, it got, it got a little bit like, you know, I still want to do it. And she was like, no. That's, I think, when it got a little bit, um, you know, controversial. But other than that, annoying from ESPN, in my opinion. Spencer Dinwiddie, this is hilarious. Uh <laughs> Did you watch the press conference, by the way, or Spencer, did we? I did not. I just heard what he said about what That's a good one. Yeah. Watch it. Watch it. So he has a press conference after a game, and he leads in and says, before I take any questions, I want to give a statement. And he just went on a two-minute um, spiel about Tony Brothers, the referee, all factual. Basically said, uh, I got teed up by him. No, sorry, uh, there, was a, there was a bad call or something, and I just clapped just clapping, which I do every other game the same way, wasn't in his face, wasn't demonstrative. And he teed me up and I was like, what the hell? Went went back to the bench and then a teammate came up to him and said, Tony Brothers referred to me as a bitch-ass motherfucker to a a teammate of mine after he caught a tee on me. (laughs) And Dinwiddie just went on a spiel of like, I don't think I'm that. Like, why? Why would you say that? That's not fair. You know, what, I'm a grip, blah 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 blah. But it is. It is an issue. I think um, Tony Brothers is, I would say, one of the more arrogant referees in the league, in my opinion. Um, with dealing, having having played in the NBA for 14 years and dealing with him, he, there was days we got along. There was days we weren't. But he, if you tried to, you know, punk him or big boy him or say something. Um, like, come on, man! What the hell? What the hell are you looking at? Some put your glasses on. If you make a little little quip like that, you're done. Uh, he's he's going to go after you. He's not going to give you calls. He's going to call everything on you. He, that's the kind of referee he is. So this does not surprise me. Um, he is a referee in the referee mold of I'm a rock star, in my opinion. I think he he loves he loves the limelight. He loves like a lot of referees. Ninety plus percent of them try to stay out of the limelight. He referee the game. And I get he loves the. Off the court, he's in the. I've seen him at the hotel bars and hotels we've been at before. You know all that kind of stuff. He loves that whole. I'm a. I'm a. Which is fair enough. That's his prerogative. But I think this was very inappropriate, and I don't think this is the first time. Pro, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, folks. I never really got a chance to sort of know referees too much, you know, around. But you do hear about certain names that were guys that were arrogant and not 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 someone that you deal with, and they're not fun to deal with. Um, I do think there is. I mean, that's first of all, it's unprofessional. Like, regardless of what your feelings are, and I'm sure, I'm sure that he's gotten called way worse than that from a thousand different players, but uh, for for probably half good reason. He can't get teed up, though. That's the problem, bro. He can't get teed up. No doubt about it. No (laughs) doubt about it. What I think, though, Bogues, is is a huge problem with allowing players, and it's not. I mean, some of it's justified, most of it's not. But the the like never ending bitching at referees and like disrespect to referees from players from like the best player to the worst player on every call and it's allowed. I think there's got to be more ruling against it 
you know, because the relationship between the two parties is not great in some in some instances. Some of it's because of the players, some of it's because of the referee. But like, I do think that there's an issue, and I think it's going to get cleaned up because what happens is it trickles down to the college and the high school and the junior high school game, where every player bitches at every referee. That's why there's a shortage of referees from the grassroots level because nobody wants to deal with it anymore. There's a huge issue, and I know it's off topic of what we're talking about. I have a problem with the referee calling that to a player. Um, I think it's unprofessional, um, you know, to do for sure. I, if it was even said, I assume it was. Uh, he probably lost his cool, but you know, I don't know, Bogues. What's your feeling though on that? Like, play. I know as a, a player, you probably, you know, as a player, you probably thought like it's justified to bitch at refs all the time. But like, don't you think it's sort of like it's enough's enough? Like on on most of these things, like. There's got to be something where it could be, you know, to just sort of quiet this stuff down a little bit because it's all game every call. I haven't seen one call where a guy gets called for a foul and the ret and the player is like, "Yep, I got it." You know, like there's very few of those, and I think it's a problem for the game. It, you know, I think it goes both ways, but I think Tony Brothers definitely overstepped the mark. Oh yeah, like, you know, for sure. And I think he should be suspended and, and fined, just like a player would. Like if a play, if a player went off his head, got got two tees and kept going at an official. Okay, that's the extreme, but a referee is policing that behavior to make sure it doesn't happen for him to then yeah. engage in it is very hypocritical and it's not good for the game because the last thing you want is is that little you know Dinwiddie got his tea he walks away it's over last thing you want is Dinwiddie to then hear that he goes back at him and says what'd you call me and they go face to face Tony Brothers has a whistle ejects him and then it maybe leads to something greater and I don't think you want to do that now creates animosity between those two creates questions about does Tony Brothers should he referee Dinwiddie in Dallas Mavericks games you know so there's a whole thing there I think I think the NBA needs to stamp this out immediately I'll just give him one game spend him one game and, and make it known publicly I think refs should be held to the same standard as uh, players when it comes to that kind of stuff but I also agree that there needs to be uh, you know players that there's some players that, man, like uh, your guy Kobe, man, he he used to talk reckless to the referees, man. I could yeah. not believe the shit that he would say to referees. And he mm. knew, basically, no, like, you, you're going to throw me out? These people are here to see me. Like, like yeah. F you, like, throw me out then. You know, you're going to – but he he would and, – and, you know, then you get Joe Blow or Jerome James, as Pro says, says, hey, that wasn't a foul, T. <laughs> and Kobe's <laughs> yeah. like – in the ref for 30 straight seconds, like, you, MF, you better give me the call. He's hacking me. What the F are you looking at? You know, you shouldn't be in this league. No T. Allen Iverson was another one, right? So I would stamp that out. I think that's definitely, uh, there needs to be a respect for the official. And this is coming from a guy who's had indiscretions with refs, but I took my medicine. Like, if I was wrong, I was wrong, and I took my fine, and I moved on. Um, but you have to, there is emotions involved. And I've always said the smart officials, they give you five or six seconds, even if they, they've made a bad, they know they've made a bad call. But then beyond that, they say, hey, that's enough. And then if you keep going, they tee you up. They were great officials. I love them. I had time for them. And there is an issue in junior sports here in Australia too with um, with finding officials in, in not just basketball, but Australian rules football, rugby league, you know, pro. I don't know if it's an issue in, this, in the US. probably is. But like Australian rules football is kind of rough and tough, kind of, you know, gridiron with no pads. And, and, mm-hmm. and you go to these junior games, under-14s, under-16s, and these parents are just fucking idiots, man. Like, they're just – And they're yelling, at, they're yelling at referees and umpires and abusing them. Right now, the, the in Australian football, I believe the umpires have to get um, 
uh, they have to get caught, uh, escorted on yeah. and off the ground by both teams' parents. There's a select group from each team to walk them on and off the fucking field, man. Like, and this is coming from, you know, 16-year-old. Yeah, you can say, oh, come on, ref, like you missed that. No problem, but there's there's parents that, you know, borderline throwing beers and abusing them and yelling and swearing. You're just like, what are you doing? Folks, it's five videos a week of parents and coaches knocking out referees in the United States. It's a fucking problem, and I'm telling you, it's a it's a huge problem that nobody talks about. They think it's funny, like because they see players abusing referees verbally, and then like, yeah, they get teed up or whatever, but they're still allowed to do it. I think because it trickles down, they see professionals doing it, and like I said, it's not like like Luca just Luca Giannis, KD or, or or Jokic doing it. It's Grant fucking Williams, Grant fucking Williams. Like, you know, like the, the ninth, tenth best player in the fucking Boston Celtics is bitching out a referee or complaining every call. And look, I don't think anyone should do it. Yeah, they, of course, you're going to lose your cool and you think you get screwed. Like, I think there needs to be a major shift where development people are talking to young players, high school. High school, college, pro, how to deal with referees with bad calls. I would always tell players, say, look, you get fucked on a call. I get it. And sometimes it's it's going to be so much that, like, you're going to lose control. And I get it once in a while. But for the most part, you get fucked on a call. You let it go. You you react, but you don't do anything crazy. You let it go. The next stoppage of play, put your arm around the ref and say, look, I think I got fucking hammered on that call. Why? What did you see so I could adjust? It teaches the player, A, to deal with their emotion, which is hard to do. Second, to communicate with the referee. Third, the referee has a little bit more respect for you and they want to communicate with you. Not all of them because there's going to be a few of those really arrogant pricks that aren't going to want to talk to you. But you got to learn how to deal with it because I'm telling you, it's an epidemic uh, league-wide. Everybody's doing it. It's worldwide. Yeah, it's worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. And like these young kids are on social media. They see their best, their favorite players doing it. They see every player doing it. They think they could do it. Parents think they could do it. Coaches think they can do it. And I'm telling you, if it's not... If it's not taken care of on the pro level, we're going to be having huge problems. There are huge, like, huge gaps of, like, tournaments and leagues that can't find officials because these, these people, men and women, are retiring from the, from the, you know, from the job because they don't want to deal with it. Like they don't want they get yeah, 40, 50 bucks an hour. Yeah, that, they yeah. get thirty-five bucks a game <laughs> in the United States. So some asshole could fucking knife me after the game because I called I got I called the foul <laughs> the on their five yeah. yeah, I called the travel on their five foot three, three hundred and fifty pound whale of a son. Like, you know, and now I get to hear it from you. Like, no, like I call the travel, whatever it is. But like it, it and that's what Well the AFL pro the AFL went the other extreme and I I heavily disagree with this. They went to a the pro league here last season, they introduced a no dissent rule. Yeah. So whenever the umpire made a call, you could not react, period. That's wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's wrong. So it was even body language. So if you if you literally waved your arms up like, hey, like how was that a how was that a free kick? You did that motion, like what what's going on? You got a penalty, which is a 50 meter penalty. Um, they move the ball forward 50 meters, similar to a technical foul, right? That's the extreme, and Australia loves taking things to extreme, as we've seen over the last two years. That I disagree with, but I agree with you. I think if we're going to have young officials wanting to be officials, 
um, and actually getting good officials, that's how you get the good people that want to do it. I think there's a lot of people that probably go into refereeing or officiating that weren't good at the sport. There's that old joke of like, you weren't good so now you just want to be, you want to have a position of power above. And there are people that do that, um, but you're leaving it to those people if, the, if there's actually talented officials that are just like, this isn't worth my time. I'll just go do my regular job make my 30, 40 bucks an hour and not get abused by people. So I think it is an issue in junior sports. I think people, parents out there like, you know, I can't tell you how I'm going to be with my kids, but I'm 99% sure that I'm going to sit in the corner, even away from parents when I go to my kids' junior sporting events when the time time comes when they're participating in organized events because I don't even want to deal with parents. I don't want to deal with the parent, hearing a parent saying something about my kid or someone else's child because I'll be the one that'll be like, hey, man, shut up. Like it's someone's child or it's my kid or whatever. Then you're, getting, you're just going to put yourself in a situation where you're, you're going to get in a conflict, right? So I'm, I'm the kind of parent that would, I kind of, and it might seem like I'm being arrogant because I don't want to mingle with the parents, but I want to be left the fuck alone in the corner, enjoy my child at their sport and then mingle before and after, no problem. But I don't want to be in the in the in the kind of over the coals, and then I have to address what it is through right. And, and so, parents that listen, like if you're taking your kids to sport, and you hear parents say this, like I think the best way of addressing it is if you hear a parent doing that, just go up to them once they've let go, cool down, and say, "Hey, man, like it's there's, there's children here, man." In a nice way, I think if you fight fire with fire with some of your drunk idiots at these games, it just causes a problem. You say, "Hey, man, there's kids here. Don't swear." Like please be respectful. We're struggling to find officials. And I think it's probably the duty. It shouldn't be the duty, but it's the duty of the parents that are level-headed to kind of pull them back in line without, without rah-rahing back at them pro. And that's the only way it's going to move forward because I know there were some football leagues that weren't letting parents get out of the cars um, to watch. So like, you know, in Australian rules, junior games, you can park all around the football field, pretty much like baseball or football. And if it's raining, most parents would sit in their cars and watch their kids. But if it's sunny, they get out. There were some some local leagues that was just saying, you know, we want parents to stay in the cars because it's too much. Like it's, we don't want to hear the abuse, and that's sad, man. That's sad. And then, and then kids think that shit's that shit's normal. And then what do they grow up to be in high school and college and the NBA? They grow up to do the same thing. So, fair point by pro. Uh, I definitely am all for you know people just pulling their head out of their asses and not being idiots at junior sports because that's where it starts. But we also need professional athletes to um, probably show a bit more respect to officials. So the, the people idolizing him don't copy. All right, uh, KD rumors that, that look, some people I'm close to, and it has hit the media a little bit that the KD is very close to asking for a trade. He hasn't as of yet. They are winning a few more games, but Ben Simmons in and out of the lineup. Kyrie now gone. He made a doka, bro. Is that going to happen or what? What the hell's going on there, by the way? Yeah, I don't know, folks. I mean, it, it got reported by both, uh, you know, Woj and Shams that it was going to happen within days, and um, they were pretty close to doing it. And I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe they read like maybe like because the media was killing them for doing mm, it on you know, Kyrie. And, yeah, yeah, and like, the Kyrie stuff. With the maybe Kyrie's going to coach. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right. I mean, it's just it's crazy. And then back to that, like, you know. Why isn't Sean Mox being called out for this too? Because he's he's like, you know, like Steve Nash has to get get fired, and I I understand that like it's run its course. They weren't listening to him anymore. He wasn't getting what he needed out of him. But like Sean Marx put this roster together. Like they had all these young players. They had these picks. They were doing well. They had you know KD signed. You know he was the one who brought in you know. 
decided to bring in, you know, they got Kyrie. Did they have Kyrie before KD or did they have him at the same time? Was Kyrie? They got them all at the same time, I think. Yeah, okay, I think they yeah. Got them. And then I think then Kyrie they, first, and then they got they got KD and and James. And they don't forget they were they were a playoff team. They were a tough, nitty, grindy, physical group. Jared Dudley, like they weren't. They didn't. They didn't get through the second round, but they were like a young up and coming team stacked with picks. Like they were on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> like Look. like really, really good, man. Like, and they had some toughness to them. Whereas now they sold their soul for a big three and look where, that, where that's got them. Yeah. I think, I think you, you run the fine line, right? You, you try to develop your roster with young players under rookie deals with picks that you could then move for great players. Look, it's all, it's, it, it's always great to have this team with low salary, with young players that are fighting, with a, a feisty coach, but you fight the temptation of like, all right, now you know I want to go to the big time now and step my game up and sign these great players. So now I, you know, I could re- really go to another level. Well, look, he did that, and and, and look, I, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have what what he should have shouldn't have done, but what happens is. You know, now you sell your soul because now you have to deal with James Harden. And then instead of just sticking it out with these three, when KD was like a little bit like, you know, I think he was hurt, but he, he was, you know, there was a lot of rumors that he wanted to go. And then they dealt Harden for Ben Simmons and really blew this thing up. And they, I mean, all their picks were gone. Now they get this, these issues. Now you're bringing in Ben Simmons. It was one thing when you have Harden. Kyrie and, and and KD, like you've got talent that could like blow teams out. It might not. It might have been a very high maintenance group on one end or the other, but like you could stay. They could blow teams out. But now you you you, know, you trade James Harden in a heartbeat instead of just holding on to it for another few weeks before you got all got healthy and then tried it out. But now you trade him to get Ben Simmons. So not only it's you know you still get Kyrie there. You got KD who's asking for trades and people to get fired. Now you've got this, you know, this team that's very flawed. And you got a coach that's on the hot seat. You get rid of the coach, but you were the one who brought these players in. Like Steve Nash, yeah, when when, when players shut you off, it's time to go. But he wasn't the one who brought that roster in either. And he brought those questionable guys in. And then he made the trades. And then, like, you know. I don't know. I, I just well, it's, I'm it's, not- it's it's sink or swim. So it's GM yeah. versus coach. It's the standard. Like if 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 Nash doesn't go, Sean Markson goes, and they they're going to try to save themselves. Like I don't know if I believe the whole Nash went to management and said he lost the team. I think that was you know probably they met in the middle, right? And they, they said it was a mutual, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was mutual. But I, I don't believe all that. But yeah, I think it's Sean Marks definitely deserves some blame. And that's the risk he took. He rolled the dice. They had they were in a really good position to be good for like the next five, ten years, right? Like okay, yeah, D'Angelo Russell, you know, had a few other pieces that you where do we go with this? But they had picks and they had a tough nitty group. They Jared had, Allen, you know, Carrie Levert, yo, I yeah. think got Levert. Dinwiddie was Allen. there. Well Dinwiddie was there. Yeah. Dinwiddie like they was had, there. They had enough scoring and they had a good balance. They were just a tough team. They were good like what Brooklyn should kind of be. Now they're a big three, cutesy wootsy. We're going to get buckets. They don't really grind games. Like it's, I don't know. And, and you've sold just you've sold all your assets, right? You have no assets left. No. They're all in Houston, really. Um, to Houston and Philly, right? To 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 really do anything. So, 
Yeah, not good. But um, KD rumors will swirl up, especially if they lose a few more games. So we'll watch that space. Kawhi injury reportedly is more serious than they have let on. They just put it as day to day rest management on his knee. Uh, they thought it was tendonitis. And a report has been that it is now thought to be much more serious. He's missed five straight games, uh, about to be six. I don't know. We haven't released what more serious means, but it's not a good thing when you talk about Kawhi and a knee. It's a bad thing. So we'll see how that goes. And then Cam Johnson is out for a while. I'm not sure, six to eight, is it? Uh, torn meniscus, so maybe yeah. even more. He'll be out for a while. Huge out for them. Uh, really affects the balance of their wings in Phoenix. So, yeah, the Kawhi one's probably the most concerning because, you know, he's he just, you know, poor guy just can't seem to get get that knee healthy. Yeah, it's that's that's pretty devastating, you know, when you think about it, even though there's nothing been reported yet except, you know, setbacks and, you know, can't really get on the floor, but um that's going to hurt because they've put all their all their eggs into that basket like most teams do. You know, people don't understand Bogues how fragile an NBA season can be, especially if one of your best players goes down. And, you know, everybody's happy-go-lucky. You know, it's not like NFL football where, like, stars sometimes get hurt, like, tear their knee up in practice. You don't really see a lot of that. And then so, like, yeah, you do get the devastating injuries during games, and sometimes it happens during summer workouts. But, like, people don't understand, like, all the – you know, that whole team was developed around Kawhi and then Paul George and then all these other, you know, players that they brought in. And like they're they're a good team. They're a team that you know obviously has the makings of a championship level team. But if um, if they can't get this health thing right, you know with Kawhi, there's only I mean, and, and plus we've seen we've been seeing them lose a bunch of games. You know with things like you know they're a top two team right now. They're standing at seventh at five and four, and um, you know in the West, but again it's early for sure. But yeah, without Kawhi, you know. You can only do so much with Paul George and the rest of the you know the cast of players they've got. You can only beat so many teams. You're sort of like the Denver Nuggets, you know, sort of where you have one. I mean, they don't have a player as good as Jokic, but you know they got one Paul George. They got a bunch of other guys, just not enough offense to really beat the really good teams. So that's a tough one. The Cam Johnson thing is tough because we talk about the Jay Crowder deal. Like, I, I think that they should not trade Jay Crowder and they should try to work something out to bring him back at some point, even before this injury. Now you got Jay Crowder sitting there. I'm wondering if they're going to bring him back. Uh, probably not. But, you know, I just – I don't understand why you just can't let that thing work because Jay's such a big part of that team, toughness. You know, he may not be the future with being old, you know, older player with the Cam Johnson being younger and – you know, just have a lot of upside, but um, that's going to be, that's going to hurt their chances too. But the West is a mess right now, Bogues. Like who, who like you got the Phoenix Suns and the U- Utah Jazz as your top two, you know, like, you know, who would have thought that the Jazz were, I, I know it's early too, but like there's no clear cut best team in the league, even though Phoenix is sitting there at seven two. Now Cam Johnson goes out for a couple of months. You don't know how long that's going to be, even though they say it's two months. Like how much that affects the team, you know, these injuries, they just stack up sometimes. And with the Kawhi, going back to Kawhi, it's like sometimes these players just have bad luck with injuries. It's not as bad as Greg Oden or someone like that, but, um, 
you know, he's just hasn't been able to get healthy in the last, you know, even, I mean, the championship year was different, but like for the last, we've been doing this injury thing with him, what, for the last, what, five years? Four or five years? Yeah, so. four, four, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just want to see the Clippers fully healthy. I just want to yeah. see, so we can see where they're at. I mean, I want to see them have a fully healthy season and, and see how deep they can go because they are a, cha- you know, championship built roster. They're, they're a win now mode roster. So I, w- I want to see it. That's why I want him healthy. So hopefully he can get right. But um, as soon as they say it's more serious than thought, you're like, well, does that mean ACL tear? Does that mean a meniscus tear? Does that mean, you know, what does that mean? So they've left it pretty open, which is concerning. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, two travels in late game or, or game winners last week, pro. Tyler Hero was one, uh, knocked down a game winner. He was he was ruled to have traveled after the game in the good old NBL, NBA uh, post-game report. And then the other one was Jeremy Grant. I saw that one live. That was <laughs> – I'm guessing they're going to say it was a gather of four steps before he shot it. But um, this is the devil in the detail, pro. You're either going to call travels or you're not, and this is what I hate. You're either going to call them on the 15th man and LeBron or you're not going to call him the 15th man on LeBron. Right now, the 15th man gets called for travel. LeBron doesn't. Right now, if it's a late game for a game winner, it's not getting called. But if it's the first minute of the quarter, it is. And it also goes to what Steve Kerr said. I don't know if you saw these comments, but he was asked about Jordan Poole being called for a few carries lately. Um, and Steve Kerr on record said, hey, it is a carry. I 100% believe what Jordan Poole does is a carry. But we have seen since Allen Iverson came in the league that this has not been called a carry. Um, and we, are, you know, players are drilled, and they work out people, and they teach them moves on how to carry the ball legally and get away with it. And Steve Kerr's point was, well, you can't just now switch that off. We need to, we need to, you know, we need to figure out what's going on. And I, I totally agree. I think the carry and the travel rule in the NBA, it needs to be uniform, like FIBA. If it's a travel, it's a travel. I don't care if it's MJ taking a game winner late game. I this whole bullshit of like, oh, people came to see an MJ game winner or a LeBron game winner. Yeah, they did legally. Like legally, because people are betting on these games. People are invested in their teams to the point of tears. People have been lifelong fans. You've got to officiate it to the rule book. And the NBA, I think, does a very poor job of that. They let stars get away with more than the non-stars. Carries, travels, fouls, all that kind of stuff. And they need to fix it because, you know, this has cost two teams two games now. Um, okay, it was a great play when you look at a highlight tape, but then you're like, hang on a second, isn't that a travel? I think that makes it even worse, pro. I agree, Bogues. The inconsistency of the officiating. As much as I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for respect to officials. Um, I think they do. A but very- that wouldn't be from the. That, that, hold on, I'm sorry to cut you off. That wouldn't be from the refs, though. So I don't think this is a critique of refs. I think there, there's obviously instruction. Like they, they, all the referees haven't just gotten together and said, "Hey, let's protect all the stars. Let's not call late game travels. Let's if it's a game winner situation." This has come from from the top, in my I, opinion, over a course of time. Folks, my thing for referees, and maybe it is from the top, I'm not even saying the stars versus not. I'm saying the inconsistency of the call. Like, to me, you know, the travel, the splitting of feet on the – like, two things that referees fuck up on from top to bottom are splitting feet on drives on perimeter and switching of pivot feet. Like, they are awful at policing that. Uh, two other things that I think they're awful at. I don't, I don't watch the carry as much, so I, I do agree though. Like you know, the carry problem. Oh man, to, there's some guys yeah. out there, pro, that are yeah. just blatantly carrying the ball. Chris Paul carries the ball a fair bit. 
Jordan Poole definitely carries the ball a fair the, bit. The step back you know, is a joke to me, though, folks. Like the, the side cha cha cha. Yeah, like the eighteen steps you're allowed, and all this bullshit about gather versus not. Fuck that gather bullshit. Like you know what a step back is. You step back, and then once you dribble, you get two steps. So I dribble and step, and then if I step back, that's my two steps. It doesn't matter if you're going forward or backwards. This thing with like this gray area, well, he didn't gather until this point. Complete fucking bullshit. Like that's I, I fucking hate that shit. And I know James Harden's great at it, and these and most players now from all levels are working on it and doing it, you know, mildly successfully, of course. Um, but I think it's a problem, and I think that needs to be cleaned up. And the third is hold versus not on the perimeter, hand checking, where like, and again, maybe you know the rule, and I don't, Bogues, and and I like it because of when I'm working with my clients, I wanna I wanna give them the right rules. Like there, you know, there there's some famous like clips out there of referees like talking to Kevin Durant about getting a hold call on Durant. Uh, I think it was Eddie. Forgot the ref's name because I'm not big on the names, but like I remember, like KD was guarding Luca, and Luca drove him, and they called a holding call, and he goes, "Well, you got to show your hands." But a lot of times you see it, Bogues, where somebody gets driven on. Right, the defender shows the one hand, like the outside hand, but the inside hand is connected to their own chest. And they're sort of holding the player with their forearm, but it's not being called. But sometimes it is called with, you know, the referee wants them to show both hands and chest them up on the drive. But like they allow, a lot of times they allow that player, the defender to use that forearm as long as it's connected to their chest to hold the player. And the rule book says anything that impedes progress of the offensive player, they're going to call a hold on. And they're inconsistent with that. But the travel... On splitting feet and the step back to me is just makes me puke because it's just disgusting that they call it and they don't. And it's to me, it's not really like great player versus not. It's they don't pay attention to it and they allow it. And it's just and they don't call it. And then they'll call it. They'll yeah. call it sporadically. And, you know, I, you and I, I don't even know where the gathers. What's up? I don't even know where the gather this gather shit came from. Like it's just like where how where did this come from? Like I have gathers, no idea. Like, especially on, on like on fast breaks where someone throws like a long outlet pass. Yeah, and dudes dudes catch a ball like five feet before the three point line and then dunk it without a dribble because they had to gather a step or two. Like what the yeah. hell? I gather it's supposed to be. If someone throws you a bounce pass and you catch that ball, you get like half a step or a step max to dribble it. That's a gather. That's illegal, and that was never a rule. It was always just automatic. Like you're picking up the ball as you're in stride, you pick it up. But now players are taking the piss out of it because they're like catching it and like gather, 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 gather. Oh, one bounce, dunk. Exactly. I'm dunking it from three quarter court. You're just like, what the hell's going on? When did this even get in the? That's what I understand. How was this allowed? So I think the NBA it needs to it needs to get a bit more. F- Iron fisted on this shit, where it's like, no, like we're going back to, and that's the good thing about FIBA, like they don't, they don't, they don't mess around with that stuff. The fundamental stuff, like FIBA, like if you, they were big on, like if you jab, and oh, yeah, jab strong. same side, yeah, yeah, jab, jab, like so you jab going right, and then you still go right. That strong side, they call it was automatic travel, travel. yeah, yeah, automatic because they're like you couldn't have put the ball down before you lifted your back foot, and it's like it's it's a fair point, but it's something that. At least in Australia and the US, we weren't taught. You thought you were taught you could do that. So, um, FIBA do it real well. I hope the NBA cleans that up because it, it just 
especially when it costs teams games. And they're like, oh, sorry, yeah, the, the two-minute report said we made two two mess-ups that cost your team the game. By the way, we, we, we fired our coach because that was his fifth straight loss of the, of the week. Um, but thanks, NBA, we should have won that game. Like, it's just not – I don't think it's good enough. And I think until they start correcting it, these these two-minute reports are useless. You gotta, they got to stand down on the travels. Um, on to the NBL Pro. Real swingy season this year. It's been great. I think we have a team here, Pro, who's tanking for Victor as well. Um, I don't I don't think they realize that they're in a different league. The Illawarra Hawks are tanking for Victor. Um, so they're in the sweepstakes. They're, they're, they're not nice. looking very good, Pro. They... Um, they, uh, you feel bad for them. They're a smaller market. They've had a lot of weeknight games, which is not great. Where they're they're drawing, you know, barely a couple of thousand fans at best. Which is look, they're our crosstown rivals. We have an incentive for them to be good. They're not. They're one and eight. They've lost. Well, I don't even know where their first win was. I think their first win was the second game of the season. So I think they've lost. You do the math, um, six straight, seven straight, somewhere around there, but they're not looking good. But other than that, it's it's very, very close. Um, Tasmania punched Perth in Perth, which was a big win for them. Perth nice. then bounced back all, three or four days later in Adelaide and beat Adelaide. Um, really, really big win. Cairns absolutely destroyed Melbourne United in Cairns. And then three days later, four days later, um, Southeast Melbourne get destroyed by United, which was last night. Brisbane Bullets have now won three games in a row. So uh, they beat the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. So Roth went one and one this weekend, but that was, uh, you know, Bullets were rolling for the most part up 16, 17, and then Tassie came roaring back, but they ended up losing. And Sydney beat New Zealand pro to retain first place. So it was um, both tied at six and two. Percentage had New Zealand at number one. New Zealand beat them. Uh, sorry, yeah, Sydney beat them over in New Zealand yesterday. Uh, only issue is Xavier Cooks has sustained an ankle injury. We don't know exactly how long yet, but it's looking like a minimum of a couple of weeks, which is not good. The bonus is we're in the FIBA qualifiers break right now the NBL is in which is a two week break so and we face Illawarra uh, when we come back so we might be able to get away with resting him for three weeks without any any kind of issues uh, playing good teams um, Illawarra will still be tough don't get me wrong but I think um, that's having Xavier Cooks who's potential league MVP as of now out is not good um, but yeah, the league in itself, pro, it's been real competitive. Uh, a lot of a lot of young guys coming up. A few next stars doing well. Repair in New Zealand's doing pretty well. Um, but real, real close and hard to call, which is what you want. And Jalen Adams, pro, who was uh, Sydney Kings MVP yeah. of the league last season, he's just been cut from his team in Serbia, I believe. Instead of an Azerda Red Star. Yep. I could have told you that it's not easy over there. Those those Euro coaches, they're, they're, there's no there's no room for flamboyancy or playing free over there. It's tour days. It's a grind. Um, a lot of imports come to the NBL. Don't know how good they have it. They go over to you know some of these leagues in Europe. And yes, you probably get a few more dollar signs on that paycheck, but quality of life and just the mental drain of a Euro coach at times can be. Very, very tough, but um, there are some rumors, maybe the NBL, a few NBL teams out there looking for him. He has come out on the record and said home for him in Australia would be the Sydney Kings. We obviously have no room to, to pick him up if we wanted to, um, so hopefully he doesn't come back for our sake. Selfishly pro, we don't want to see him in another jersey, but I anticipate he will he will go back to the G League and potentially play the the 10-day game, which will which will probably fire up here in the next month or two once, um, once teams you know start sustaining injuries. So... That's the NBL news as an hour, bro. Folks, I'll tell you what. Um, 
you know, Australia is a huge, and I don't have to tell you twice, but like, it's an unbelievable option for non-NBA players to go and play in like, you know, the money in certain spots, of course, in Europe, like when you're talking about Barcelona, you're talking about Real Madrid, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about the Turkish teams and then, you know, Milan and Italy. There's only a handful, though. There's only a handful. handful. Right, right. So, like, if I'm going to get 450, say, to play, and, of course, I don't want to disclose any false numbers in in Australian basketball, but, like, if I was going to get 450 to play in Australia or I can get, like, 495 to play in Croatia, I mean, give me a fucking break. Like, no offense to Croatia or anything, but, you know, like, standard of living – you know, yeah, I would definitely want to go in Australia. You know, why? Why wouldn't you? Like, it's a, a great place to live from what I've heard. And, you know, and not have to deal with that stuff. You could go to the NBA from the, you know, it's not, this isn't like the 1980s anymore where, like, you could only play in certain places internationally to get seen and to, and to give NBA scouts, you know, a chance to see you. You're on a big stage and it's a great place to play. There are certain places that I would take, obviously, internationally over Australia to play. But if I'm just like the run-of-the-mill player, that $300,000 a year player in both you know, Europe and you know, in, in, I can go to Australia, nine times out of ten, I'd probably go to Australia unless – you know, maybe you want to play in EuroLeague. You want to get a little more exposure. You have that team has a chance to go to the finals. I could see that. But if you're going to play in, say, like a Russian team or, or uh, the political stuff, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if I go to like a, a, a not a great team, not a Seska Moscow or something like that, I'm just going to like a, a run of the mill EuroLeague team. I'm going to Australia. And yeah, like you. I mean, Ray Charles could have told you, like, you shouldn't go to Red Star over Australia, especially if the money was going to be really good. And, uh, you know, I don't Yeah, know. it's triple or quadruple, fair enough, if it's like 50 – you can never judge people upon money, but you say, like, let's say you're making three, 400, you, you know, USD in Australia and you're getting 700 in the middle of nowhere, Russia or China or whatever, like – the quality of life and mind drain it's putting on you on a daily basis. You know, the NBL season runs during Australian summer. There's a lot of pros, English-speaking country, Western, easy, to, safe to get around. You don't need a driver. You know, I had play, friends playing Russia where they had to have security guards and drivers with them at all times, same as China. And, and the living standards are very good. So, yeah, I think a lot of players are starting to appreciate that and realize that, you know, for, for maybe, you know, a little bit of a pay rise, is, is it really worth it? Um, look, if a guy's getting... You know, there were some players that were went to China this season for the NBL that were getting double, quad, you know, triple, if not quadruple, what they were making in the NBL. Fair enough, totally get that. But then you still got that mental drain. Like, so you got to weigh up. Okay, is half a million extra in my bank account gonna fix the fact that I'm living in a place that's hard for me to live for eight months a year? That's what you got to figure out. Whether you, some some players can totally adapt to that and be fine with it. Some players probably know they're going to struggle but still take it for the money. And then some players say, you know what, I'm happy with the three, 400 and I'll stay in Australia and, and then potentially pick up another deal after that, which happens to a lot of Australian players in the NBL, you know, because the season finishes, non-COVID years, it finishes in February slash March. They get they get piggybacked with another EuroLeague deal where they make another 30, 40,000 euro a month for two or three, two or three seasons. There's a hired gunman somewhere in 
you know, as a shooter or a gunner somewhere up in, in the Euro League or Euro Cup. So I think it's a fair point. And I think more more and more imports are starting to realise that Australia's a pretty good level of competition. It's got ties now to NBA scouts, a lot of NBA scouts here on a regular basis. And it's a good good place to live in summer. So we'll see if we can get more out here. All right, double betting meets social media. On double, you can follow your friends and mates, stalk the experts, trending tipsters. I am on there. Yes, Andrew Burgett, all one word. Um, you can have fun, you can talk shit, you can copy people's bets all in one swing. So go on, download the app, have a double, double socially, gamble responsibly. Have fun with that, people. All right, stats useful or useless, pro. A uh, little bit of trivia for you. The most years on a single team, so a player has been on a single team, the most years without reaching the NBA finals. Um, who would be the leader of that, you think, pro? All-time NBA history. Hmm. So it's obviously someone that's played at the same team for a long time. So same never team, long t- same t- one, the same team, and hasn't been in the NBA Finals. With that team, correct. Uh, oof, man. This guy ended up changing teams late in his career and getting a championship. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to guess Kevin Willis. Oh, it was a Kevin, but it wasn't Willis. Oh, okay. What do you got? Kevin Garnett, okay, he true. played f- yeah. 14 seasons in Minnesota mm-hmm. without reaching the NBA Finals and then obviously went on to Boston to win it. So, um, you know, that's an interesting one. And then there's there's two active guys in the NBA as of now. There's a bunch of other guys. This is on Hoopside, by the way, if people want to check it out. It's just pretty cool to read, just a weird stat. There's two guys active currently in the NBA. One of them, he, he's now on a different team, but his former team, he had 12 seasons without an NBA Finals. Um Care to take a guess? Say that again, folks. There's a, there's one there's two active players in the NBA that have that are in this list. One of them one of them just recently left his former team, which had 12 straight seasons when he was there of not making the finals. Uh, he's now with with a different team. Um, any guesses of, as to who that is? This is one of the teams that we knocked out on the way to our championship, bro. Uh, my first year. Hmm. He just left his team a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Bogues, I'm I'm clueless on that. What do you got? Mike Conley. Mike Conley with Memphis. Ah, he had yeah. 12 straight seasons without a finals appearance. And there's one active player in the NBA who's still with his current team that's had 11 straight seasons without a finals touch, bro. Who would that G- be? Give me one second, Bogues. I'm just going to look at these On the teams. West Coast. Not rosters, but I'm just going to look. Um, he's been West on Coast a- team. Oh, um, Chris Paul. No, he's, he's, been, he's been to the finals with Phoenix. Oh, that's right. I'm following. But anyway, yeah. the, the, even all these other teams, he, this guy's been, he's on that current roster still since he was a rookie. It's his 11th season. It's going to be his 12th at the end of this season. So he's going to get to 12, I believe. I don't think his team's going to make the finals this year. It's Dame Lillard. He's going to be, he's had 11 straight seasons without an NBA final. Just an interesting stat. I mean, doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but it's just pretty cool to hear. You know, KG was 14 straight seasons of, of playing at a higher level without a finals appearance. Tells you how hard it is, pro. Useful or useless stat. I say it's I say it's useful because it just shows goes to show you, like you said, that how hard it is to make the finals, man. You know how how you could do everything right, you could take care of your body, you could be a high level player, and you still need a supporting cast of a team in an organization to you know to make the finals, and you need some luck too, for sure. I think it's a useful yeah, step. I agree. I think it's useful. It's just just a different one that you don't hear much of, and. Some guys are sometimes stuck in the doldrums of bad teams that just can't get there. But um, yeah, interesting one nonetheless. And I think when it's all said and done, Dame Dame might just beat KG because he signed a pretty big extension. So 
Let's take it to the final soon. All right. Here's a Golden State Warriors one for you, Pro. Uh, we touched on the plus-minus stat uh, as we went over the tw- team of the week. Golden State's starting five, Pro. So they're starting five. Their defensive rating for their starting five is 98 per 100, right? Good. That is good because the, the league leader, number one in the league, is the Milwaukee Bucks with 101.3. So the Golden State Warriors starting five at 98 would be 3.3 points better than the league leaders in Milwaukee Bucks, right? Now get this. The bench (coughs) for the Golden State Warriors is 120.5 per 100 defensive rating. Yeah. Do you know where that would put them in the league? I would assume dead last. Dead fucking last. (laughs) So Detroit is last with 119.7. They're 0.8 worse and the worst team in the league. That is a disparity between the starting five and the bench defensively. We touched on plus minus, but defensively, that is 22.5 points difference when the bench is on the court defensively. Pro, useful or useless? Pretty useful, man. I'm not a plus minus. I'm not a, but I'm not a plus minus fan, but I, I don't know enough of the defensive rating, but enough people weigh well, in. Well, it's what you allow per 100 with a certain yeah. lineup. So whatever yeah. lineup's on the floor, it'll calculate when right. that team's together. You're allowing, you know, whether it's, if you allow 30 points, yeah, 30 points in 30 possessions, then it's you're 100, you're 100 points per 100 possessions. Nah, that's, that's bad. Yeah. 120.5, their bench is dead last if, if you were to do it on that scale. I think it's useful. I think it tells you a lot of their problems right now. Steve Kerr's came out and said that preseason when they signed Jordan Porter the extension, your next his next step is to to commit defensively and buy in. He's he's been very bad for us defensively. And their bench is you know, they have some athletes on their bench, Kaminga and Wiseman, no excuse to be dead last. And I think that's the disparity we're seeing. That's the frustration probably of the that older group and the starting five. Like, what the hell? Like we're getting a five, 10 point lead. We come back in after our drink and three minute rest and we're down four. Uh, not sustainable. So they, they need to fix that. And that was that was sent to me by a friend. That was, that's a glaring, glaring statistic. When I saw it, I was like, this is, this is amazing, you know? So um, useful on that front. All right, last one. Before today's game, uh, LeBron was shooting 20.7% from three. Worse than the NBA. He'd missed 13 in a row at this point, and I think today's game he was one for five, so he might go up a, an iota, but uh, he's the worst three-point shooter in the league, pro, and, and we know we hear the Lakers talking about a need for three-point shooting. Um, useful, useless? Um, now it's, for me, useless because it's just so early, and LeBron has never been, you know, no one's ever gonna say that he's Larry Bird by you know by any stretch of the imagination shooting the ball, but like you know for the guy's career he's probably like if I had a guess like mid mid thirties shooting the three, so I'd give him some chances to get up to about you know he might not get to that mid thirty line, but I say it's useless because it's just so early. I think you know if this was game twenty five, much more you know. I think it would have a much more weight to it. But in my opinion, useless just because it's still early. It's not, you know, in my opinion. What do you say, Bogues? Uh, I think it's useful to an extent. I think when he shoots the three ball well, it puts so much pressure on the defense mm-hmm. um, because they have to close him out harder. You can't go under the screens. You, you know, you, now you can 
you can kind of cheat a little bit now. Um, when he's making that three ball, you can't. So I think it's useful in that in that context and the fact that we always talk about the Lakers. We need three point shooting. We need three point shooting. Their, their their best players shooting the ball horrifically, career horrifically, and that's you know. So I think for even him to get to thirty percent for the season now is going to be pretty hard. Like he's got he's got to really start shooting the ball in the mid to high thirties to get that number back up over the course of the season. So I don't see him doing it, and I think it's useful for that aspect because when they when they shoot the ball well, they're in games. Um, but when they generally they don't, and also shout out to Russell Westbrook, he's putting up amazing numbers off the bench for the Lakers. That was a great adjustment for the Lakers and the buy-in from Russ to do that. I think he's at 19-5-7, and seven, I think, off the bench since he was benched, something around those numbers, um, which and, and shooting the three-ball at a very good clip, mind you. So shout-out to Russ. He's doing very, very well off the bench. What do you got for us? Folks, all right. So standings-wise, again, still early. Milwaukee is standing at 9-0, and no, I believe. The Milwaukee Bucks will win 70 games this year. Back to fake news. Oh, fake news. No one, I mean, not the Warriors or the Bulls pro, come on. Uh, no, I think sure. that's so hard to do. I think it's so yeah. hard to do. It's it's people don't realize to win 70, to even win 60s in the league is tough, man. Um, and they're at East, so they're in a tough conference. They're rolling. I love the way they're playing. They're going to get a lot of their help back kind of mid to late season two with Joe and Middleton and whatnot. But I just, I, I, you have to just statistically take the under. If anyone can do it, it is them. But I think there'll be phases throughout the season where they're going to buy rest nights for Drew Holiday and Giannis, even Brook Lopez at times. They've got an aging roster to an extent. Joe Ingles isn't going to play big minutes when he's back. And then Middleton's going to be nursed. So I think they'll just be, uh, they'll succumb a little bit to some rest nights. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you were to say everyone was healthy playing full throttle, maybe. Um, but, you know, right now, I, I would have to take the under and say fake news. They're not getting 70. Folks, I'm going to say fact. Eh, why not? You know, I'll probably get my ass kicked on this one. But you know what? I'm going to say fact. I'm saying they're playing really well. They got a chance at it. They got a nine-game lead on it already. You know, probably won't do it. But I'm going to say fact to it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I got fact no, it. Okay. I got no scientific uh, evidence, no statistical evidence to back it up. I do just know that they're playing really well. A lot of teams are taken. The rest of them are on load management. And why not? You know, East, you know, even though the East has got some good teams in it, I say they they could they could go with 70. They get the they got one of the best players in the game on their team. They play together. I'm gonna give them a chance. I'll give them a, I'm gonna be a positive guy for the first time in my life. So we'll go from that one, even though I'm gonna get my ass clobbered on it. Uh, second thing, folks, right now, currently, there are five NBA players that are shooting 50, 40, 90. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic, Luke Kennard, Ayo uh, Desumnu from Chicago, Marcus Morris, the Clippers, Obi Toppin for the New York Knicks. There will be a 50, 40, 90 guy in the NBA that plays at least 15 minutes a game to just to make it you know, make it a little bit fair. So the question is, there will be a 50, 40, 90 guy this year playing in the NBA. There has been every season lately, right? Hasn't there? Yes, 50, I'm sorry. 40. One of these five will be, at least one of these five will be a 50, 40, 90 guy by the end of the year. Bojan Bogdanovich, Luke Kennard, Ayu uh, Desamnu, Obi Top, and Marcus Morris. Yeah, fact. I think one of them will get it. I think one of the first three, most likely. Um, I think Toppin, I'm kind of a bit skeptical of. 
but I think Morris definitely has a chance as well. So I'd say fact on those five. I, I say fact. I say Bogdanovich will probably do it. And here's a um, here's a what's it called? Useful, useless stat. Four out of the five have a hundred percent free throw shooting percentage as of now. Luke Kennard, Dasamnu, uh, I'm probably butchering his name. Marcus Morris and Obi Toppin all have a hundred percent free throw shooting percentages. So there you go. Ten games in. Ten games in. And then last but certainly not least, we talked about the Golden State Warriors, three and seven. The Golden State Warriors will be a playing team this season. Fact or fake news? Oof. Oof. So oh, right man. now, a- three and seven, four and a half back. Um, they are giving up a hundred and twenty-one points per game, which I believe. If I calculate it right, they're the second worst defensive team on points allowed in the league. And just let me make sure. I got my database that tells me that, but I just want to make sure team stats. I just want to make sure that um, stat leaders, let me see, opponent leaders. Right now, Golden State Warriors are last at 121.4. San Antonio Spurs at 121.2. Um, in points allowed. So that being said, Golden State playing Warriors will be mm. a playing team this year, finishing seven, eight, nine, or ten. What's that? They're behind the eight ball. Um, what are they? They are they are two games back. So New Orleans. So Dallas is five and three at the cutoff. Uh huh. They are they are three and seven. Shit. So they got to take they got to defeat one of those teams. I'm gonna say. They are a playing team. In fact, at this point of the season, it's looking like that. Like I said, they got to they got to turn this around quick to get in there. And I think that top five, six in the West is going to be tough to get into once once it's kind of established in another probably month or two, unless something drastic happens. Look, I think Utah still have the potential to fall out of there, um, but the Clippers, yeah. I mean- it's an early one to call. I think it's too early, but I'm going to say fact. I think they're going to be somewhere in there. Just just with the the numbers that we've spoken about that you just dropped, their bench, their plus minus. I think their bench is just a glaring problem. They got to fix it. I don't know if they get in the trade market if they find some secret source somewhere. Lineup changes. I don't know, um, but their starting five is doing a phenomenal job. It's their, their bench has just been awful. So I'm going to say fact on that. They're going to be a playing team. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, folks. Top six right now: Phoenix, Utah, Denver, Memphis. Um, Portland, Dallas, right? You got to look at, okay, who, first of all, they're, they're going to be in at least a play in. I can't see them staying where they're at. They're only a couple of games out of the play in right now. And so, but the top six, like, we probably both think that Utah will probably drop out of that if we had a guess, because it is still early, you know, and they're still, they, they're only like four or five games out of the whole Victor Chase thing. Denver's going to be solid. Memphis is going to be good. Portland, you know, they're getting some players back and all that, but I don't know about them. I think Dallas is going to be a juggernaut. Um, we don't know about the Clippers because of Kawhi's knee. New Orleans is going to hang in there if they're healthy. I can see Minnesota, San Antonio dropping. Uh, San Antonio will drop like a brick, you know, down to the bottom. But I, I, I could see Minnesota competing, but – you know, I could see Golden State being better than them. Um, I think it's going to be really hard for them to catapult themselves up to three, four, five, six, seven spots. 
um, because they got to beat out seven teams. I don't know if I could see that happening. So I'm going to say fact, there will be a playing team. Okay. I got one for you. It's a twofold fact or fake news, oh, bro. Nice. So there's two branches of this tree. Number one, Kyrie Irving is done playing for the Nets. Fact or fake news? Fake news, but I think he is angling to get out to the Lakers. Um, you know, I think he will angle to get to the Lakers if I if I had to do anything. But I will say fake news. He's not done. He will play. Now will they ship him up by trade deadline or before the you know before trade deadline? I'd say they probably will because I think they, I think it's going to be a fire sale. So I but I do believe he still will play another game. You know, he'll play multiple with more the Nets. Games with the Nets. What's your second part? Well, my second part doesn't matter because you you said you said he's going to play for the Nets. The second one was will he is he done playing NBA basketball? So we can cross oh, that out for you. Yeah. Mine is I think he's I think. Um, He's done playing for the Nets, bro. I think it's a fact. I think um, I think the damage is done there. I think that he's gonna be he's gonna be real pissed about. I th- I just don't know how he gets around these demands. He's a guy that doesn't like to be told what to do. Um, much like a lot of NBA players, I don't like being told what to what to do a lot of times as well. But sometimes within reason, you got to do it, um, especially in a team environment. But. I think that list of demands might be the straw that breaks the camel's back, bro. Because that is that is a hefty list of demands. <laughs> like I think it's, I think it's overboard, and I think he might see that as like he's completely bending over for him or bowing to him, um, yeah. the league or whoever. So I think that from that aspect, I think he might be done with the Nets. I think the basketball thing does he get blackballed? Um, I don't. I probably think the end of the season, maybe, but I think he'll be back in the league again. Um, whether it be, you know, if you're a small market team, you take that risk on a one-year deal. Is he going to get another max contract? No. So I think he's done done with the Nets. So the fact that I'd fake and use the done with NBA basketball, I was leaning more towards it, done with NBA basketball. But his apology that he posted, half apology on Instagram, maybe that's the the light end of the tunnel. But once I saw these listed demands, I'm like, man, I just don't think. Yeah, I think the Nets thing's done. I think he'll move on. Yeah, I don't know, Bogues. It's it's tough to say. I mean, that is a hefty, that is a hefty ask. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sure people that listen to the show will probably say, well, it's not that. You know, if he wants to play again, but like, you know, meeting with the owner, like, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna apologize, you're gonna do your community service, you're gonna donate, um, you know, you're gonna condemn the movie, um. Okay, like that's still hefty, but then meeting with the owner thing was weird. Like, yeah, I got to get lectured to. Look, if I'm going to get lectured to, it's going to be the people that are heading up these, these, you know, these organizations that, you know, that obviously that's their center focus. And I'm, I don't need to meet with an owner about it. You already find me five games. I'm okay with that. I'm doing all this other stuff. I didn't mind all the other stuff, even condemning the movie, because I believe, even though I haven't heard, even though I haven't seen it, which if I was a betting man, I would say him and I has probably watched the same amount of minutes of the documentary. Um, I would say <laughs> that like, I would say that, you know, I would condemn it for sure. You know, cause it's just, you know, there's no, you know, from what people say that's in it, there's, yeah, I mean, no question you should condemn it. But in my opinion, anyway, but like the whole, I got to meet with the owner thing. 
you know, like, because that gets to me where it'll be like, all right, you want to open up your, like that whole thing with what he said to the, what he said to the reporters about where were you when all these people were getting killed and telling me all that. I thought that was bullshit, to be honest with you. I thought that was fucking, you know, deflecting, you know, what he did. But now an owner's telling me that obviously he's got some skeletons in his closet. He wants to lecture me on that. And I got to sit next to him when, you know, he's involved in X, Y, and Z. Uh, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really doing that. Now, my question to you is, Bogues, if he doesn't do this, all right, does he do, does he get blackballed? Is there such a, a, a pushback from media and organizations and all that and the league where another team, cause I think another team will pick him up, to be honest. Now, will they be allowed to? That's another thing. I don't know. May probably allowed to, but you know, is it? I think there are teams that are. I think there are teams that are desperate enough to do it, regardless if he completes that completes that list or not. But do you? What do you think, you folks? Do you think if he doesn't do all all those things, do you think another team picks him up? Well, considering Mello's got a bad stench on him, he was still in a pretty. I mean, yeah, he had the issues with not wanting to be a bench player, maybe a bit of bad timing, but he he somewhat got just shelved by a lot of teams like not even going to engage in a conversation and he was still pretty I, th- I thought he was okay with the Lakers that, that, that few years he was there right like well the year he was decent, there decent yeah yeah no, no, I'm not saying he's like I still think he was a bench player I'm just saying he still had I think the Ennis can argument I think Ennis still has good productive minutes as a 19, 11, 12 big on a roster like he should be in the league right so I think it goes within that context of I think there's every chance if those you know alright Ennis isn't at his level but Mello at one one stage was at Kyrie's level and he got kind of bounced pretty quickly and some said blackballed. So uh, I think it's highly likely that it does happen. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that, you know, you look at, you can cross off all the young teams. So Orlando, OKC, Houston, um, maybe, you know, Indiana makes a trade, you cross them off. Detroit, Cleveland wouldn't do it. Boston wouldn't do it. Um Maybe it is the Lakers. That's the one shining light. They can get you know some guy with off court dramas, get him to buy in, and he can actually help their season. Uh, but there's not many other teams that would take him when you look at it quickly, right? Maybe a small market says you know we're doing okay, we'll bring him in, sell some more tickets. But with all the baggage that comes along with that, he'd be a perfect fit in Miami, in my opinion. And look, one team that could probably salvage him. Is Miami Pro, um, are, you know, because that they they'll 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 be a line in the sand the day he signs that contract. You cross this line, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. We're not appeasing to you. We're, this is it. This is it. We're giving you your lifeline. Come and buy in and help us win a championship. And he could be a player that helps them win that championship. You bring him into that roster with what they've got now, uh, just spitballing. And the only reason I bring up Miami is because I think they're one of the few organizations level headed and strong enough from the top down. Like you mentioned, Adonis Haslam, um, Pat Riley, Spo, where they're not going to tolerate, the, hey, if we have to treat this as a 10-day at a time, we will. You know, come in, buy in, get, play great basketball for us, help us win a chip, and, and then hopefully you'll be here for a while. Um, that could be a team. That could, If they want to do that, I don't know what the owner's position on it is, I don't know all that kind of stuff, but there is a chance, man, that he's, you know, he's play, depending on how the next few days are handled, pro, the next week is handled, um, which I don't agree with, but then it, uh, that potentially will set 
his future up, whether he plays NBA basketball again. Not just Brooklyn basketball, but NBA basketball again, in my opinion, bro. My opinion, Bogues, I think the only team that, that would pick him up, you know, you know, again, if I'm a Jewish owner, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much, like, you know, you got to weigh it now. Like, if I'm an, an owner that, that, like, this player potentially could put me over the top, I mean, how much from what he's done or not done with this whole thing, do you hold that against him where, like, I'm not signing him for no reason, you know, even if it's going to be a championship because of my faith? Uh, you know, who knows? Mickey Harrison is, you know, is a Jewish person. Does that weigh in? I think the only team he could play for, Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron is the only guy in the league that, again, that if he has the power, like, A, with his following, B, with, you know, just the stature that he has in the league, if he says, hey, again, sticks up for him in the sense that everybody, even though he doesn't do this for everybody, you know, like, everybody deserves a second chance, he messed up, um, you know, I'm going to be there with him every step of the way to make sure he, you know, he understands what he does. Like, you know, the whole the whole spiel, right? And look, the Lakers are bad. They got no chance right now. There's no savior. There's no trade. There's no anything they could really do. Um, I think this is the only move that 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 that, that could salvage it. I think that might be the only team he could play for. Because like you said, young teams ain't taking him. Um, you know, Jewish owners, I would say it's really hard bent to be like, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be racing after each other to fucking sign the guy. You know, he can't play in New York, you know, because I don't think, I don't think the Knicks would pick him up. Um, obviously because of their roster anyway. And also Bogues, like he has like, you know, all this other stuff. You know, it's a big distraction on top of the, you know, on top of the anti-Semitic stuff, you know, the, the movie and all that. I mean, just like, you know, enough is enough. Like, a lot of teams are fed up and they don't want to deal with the fucking baggage. He's 30 years old, folks. You think, like, as long as, like, he's been in the league, he's like 38. He's 30 years old. It's crazy that... In his prime, essentially. In his you know, prime. Theoretically. Yeah. Mm. So... I don't know. I think the only team he could play for are the Lakers. I think LeBron is the only one that has enough power with clutch, with, you know, media, with stature, with name. Like I told you, there's only a handful of players that's even close to being as big as the logo. And he's one of them. And he, he mm-hmm. might be able to save him. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't give a fuck if he plays or not again. It is what it is. Like, you know, I'm, I'm so past it. I thought I was sick of hearing about the Lakers. I would gladly hear about the Lakers now than hear one more fucking story <laughs> about the Brooklyn Nets. You know, it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's fair enough. And and we just we haven't hit two hours in a while on a podcast, and we just finally hit two hours again. It's been a month since we got to two hours, so I blame fucking Kyrie for that as well. Kyrie, what the fuck? Come on, man. We had to hit two hours because of you today. So just yeah. apologize, and we can move on. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Uh, the real Jock Lawndale beat out um, cyber Jock Lawndale and calling me back. Lawndale called me back a few days ago. So we had a long conversation. Oh, it's done. You should have voice mailed him. I was going to – I when he <laughs> called me, 
when he called, I, I should have voicemailed him. When he called me, I screenshotted it and I was going to tweet it out, but I, I don't want to hear with that. I don't want to deal with that nonsense. So, but I was going to tweet it out. It was like three days ago. I was going to tweet at you about it, but. I, I don't want to bust the fuck <laughs> Better for the pod. Better for the pod. Well done, Lawndale. He's balling as well. Um, good to see. Hopefully he gets a chip. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, bro. Thanks, folks. Yep. Later, guys. Let's get rogue.